Salutations. Welcome to Pod Mortem. I'm Travis Hunter, joined as always by my co-host, my sister, and my brother-in-law. Hi, I'm Renee Hunter Vasquez. Hi, I'm John Paul Vasquez. This week, we're broadcasting live from the mess hall of the Nostromo, discussing the 1979 science fiction horror classic, Alien. This film was directed by Ridley Scott and written by Dan O'Bannon with a story credit given to O'Bannon and Ronald Chusette. Combining elements of science fiction and horror, Alien possesses excellent tone and pacing as well as out-of-this-world creature and production design. The film also boasts a fantastic cast, including Sigourney Weaver in the iconic role of Ellen Ripley. Though it initially received mixed reviews from critics, Alien would prove to be a box office success that would go on to spawn a multimedia franchise and is now widely regarded as one of the greatest horror films of all time. This film was suggested to us by friends of the show Chris Antaveras, Mariah Luna, Megan Martinez, George Rosas, and Kimberly Bass. This is by far our most requested film ever, and we want to thank all of them for this suggestion as well as their support. So, Alien, what were your first impressions on the film? I know I've seen this before, but I keep I wanted to keep getting this and aliens mixed up because <laughs> as I was watching it, I was like, OK, I remember this. OK, I don't know what the fuck's happening. <laughs> and then I, I, I OK, this looks familiar. Mm-hmm. Wait, what? I'm, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and I kind of wish that I had been able to watch the movie, like just sit down and watch it and, and not just for the show, but kind of enjoy it. Um but this was a, a solid movie, and uh, I I will sit down and watch it now after the show. For sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was funny because he was like, I thought I knew this movie really well, but apparently I was thinking of Aliens, and I was like, no, I've seen this one. Mm-hmm. And so I go, and I'm watching it, and then I come out, and I was like, I think I was also thinking of Aliens. <laughs> <laughs> I was not... The suspense in this movie is so good. You don't know what the fuck's about to happen. Like I was not prepared for anything. Mm -hmm. I really like, I'm sure I've seen it before, but this might as well have been the first time I watched it. And uh, yeah, I was very like blown away. Honestly, I a hundred percent the same. I, I don't remember ever seeing any alien outside of alien. Like I don't think I've ever seen aliens Really? Yeah, I never saw Alien 3. I did see Prometheus. We'll talk about that at some point. I haven't seen Prometheus. Yeah, well, I don't think I have either. We'll talk. You're, I was like, he's well, making uh, a face. Well, it's, I mean, it's all right. I think Covenant is where we'll probably have some, well, you know, there'll be okay. some stuff to say. <laughs> There's more? Yeah. <laughs> but I, I was trying to rack my brain and figure out the first time I had seen this movie because I'd known I have seen it before. But I think the reality of it was, I think when I watched it the first time, I just didn't give it the time of day it deserved. Right. And watching it for the show, this, you know, when you have to watch it way more intently and right. more focused, uh-huh. it's amazing. It oh, really yeah. is. Like, I was, like you said, blown away completely. For me, I think it's it's a pretty simple story. Yeah. It is, but you spend the whole, like, two hours on the edge of your seat, yeah. I feel like. It's it's one of the most suspenseful films I've ever I know, seen. Definitely. And I know I've mentioned on here before when you can ramp up that tension and make me like, oh, fuck. Yeah. Uh-huh. I genuinely appreciate that because I feel like people don't. I don't know. Most movies, it's just like you feel that for two seconds and then it's boo and then it's over. Yeah. You yeah. know what I mean? This is just constant. Like you don't get a break. They try to diffuse it more often than not. Yeah. But this they're like, oh, I'm in this bitch. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, we're sitting in this. <laughs> 
But I mean, I you can't say enough about the creature design. Oh, yeah. The production design. We'll get into more detail as we continue. But it's just, I mean, there are some films that you watch, you go back from the 60s and the 70s and you're like, well, I mean, I understand some of the things that influenced in the future, how this people can talk about this being a good film, but it's all right. This film, you're like, no, I completely understand oh, why, yeah. why everybody thinks this is a classic, why everyone loves it. There's, I mean, it's unbelievable. And since you mentioned when it was made, holy shit, That's it does, the, not, yeah. it does yeah, not feel like it was made in the fucking that, 70s. That was something I told your sister too. I said, for being that old, I was like, this is- Everything <laughs> holds yeah. up. Everything holds up. There's not one thing that feels dated. No. Because I've seen a lot of films from the 70s and I'm like, oh, that's not. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but- I did kind of want to talk a little bit about how the film got made to begin with, because I think it's a pretty interesting story. I watched this documentary called The Alien Legacy, and Dan O'Bannon, actually, he worked, we talked about it a while back, he worked on Dark Star with John Carpenter. Oh, okay. And apparently that was like a space sci-fi comedy. Right. So, comedy. Yeah, Yeah, I know. (laughs) But he said that he sat in a theater and watched people watch it, and people weren't laughing at the right spots. And he's like, I'll never do comedy again. (laughs) (laughs) And so he decided, he's like, look, I I like the idea of space. Maybe I can turn it on its head and do a horror film instead. He's like, different things make people laugh, but everybody's afraid of the same shit. (laughs) And I'm like, yes, sir. But he gets a call from this guy called Ron Chusette, who was a fan of Dark Star. And when they met up, they discussed ideas. O'Bannon's was Alien and Chusette's was Total Recall. Oh, shit. (laughs) Yeah. And so they're like, well, we'll make both of them, but let's make Alien first. (laughs) Which the moxie, I love. But their little meeting gets a little interrupted because O'Bannon gets a job with Jodorowsky's Dune. And this is where he becomes familiar with the art of H.R. Giger, who comes up a lot in Alien. Uh Uh-huh. But Dune falls through. It doesn't get made. And then fucking O'Bannon's broke. And so Damn. he's like, uh, hey, Shusette, can I uh, stay on your couch for a little while we, oh. while he figures some stuff out? And he's like, yeah, sure. And while he's staying on his couch, in three weeks, they wrote Alien. Oh, Damn. man. So, it's like it was meant to exactly. happen. Yeah. Like when you hear stories like that, it's like very inspiring. Yeah. And I, because broke, you know. <laughs> but uh, they apparently went through 10 directors before getting Ridley Scott to sign on. And the only reason that Fox got involved, they weren't keen on it until the success of Star Wars. Oh. I, I can totally see that. But I'm like, that, so there like, is space no. Space is hot yeah. right now. <laughs> There's no overlap. <laughs> right. What's hot? Space. Yeah. <laughs> Jeez. Now, before we burst through the chest of this film, we would like to issue a warning for spoilers. Podmortem is a very in-depth podcast, and in thoroughly discussing horror films, we have no choice but to spoil a thing or two. If you don't wish to be spoiled, please go watch the film, then come back and enjoy the show. If you've already seen the film or don't care about spoilers, let's hit the self-destruct button. So the film begins with opening credits as we pan across the depths of space, stars, and one solitary planet. This is accompanied by foreboding music, and we get the title, Alien, slowly appearing at the top of the screen. So I just want to say the music is done by Jerry Goldsmith, and he is a incredibly prolific composer. Obviously. he I think he won the Academy Award for The Omen. 
and he was nominated 18 times for an Academy Award. Yeah. Good Lord. But as I was listening, I was like, I think this could become one of my favorite scores. Yeah. No, it's like amazing. And also I wanted to mention, I like how Alien yes. is like written. Yeah. Just, I don't know. Well, it like it starts with lines. Yes. And you're like, did I pop in the wrong? <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, Alien. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's what I'm here for. But I do, I want to point out, I love the use of music and I also love the use of no music. Yes. In this movie. Yes. But as the music continues, a shot fades in of the Nostromo, a commercial towing vehicle moving through space. We get text on screen that reads, crew, seven, cargo, refinery processing 20 million tons of mineral ore, course, returning to Earth. After being situated beneath the Nostromo as it glides over us with a low hum, we're taken aboard. We move through hallways of metal and flashing lights, then through a mess hall, before finally settling in on a pair of emergency helmets parked in front of a control panel on the bridge. Out of nowhere, screens on the panel come to life, flashing some kind of transmission as sounds and stacks of computer code fill the screens. The ship looks cool as shit. Oh, yeah. I I just want to throw that in there very quickly. It's unbelievable. Yeah. Part of me was like, I want to be on this ship, but I not this ship. (laughs) But yeah, but no. No, no. I uh, I recently started playing No Man's Sky. Mm-hmm. It was on sale, so I got it on the PlayStation, and uh, so I'm digging the whole like space, everything. <laughs> coming. Yeah, I was like, oh, this is great. But everything, like, I'm watching this, and I was like, man, this is uh, like I like I said, I told your sister, I was like, this is how old? I was like, this yes. looks yeah. badass. And the thing, I I don't understand how they strike this balance of this almost pristine white, yeah, but also a lived-in feel. Yes, yeah. it, it, it does. It feel. Oh, y'all been here for a minute. Yeah, yeah. That's I don't know what how you're doing like. this. I did read that the set designers were nominated for an Academy Award, which fuck yeah, Good. they should have been. Yeah. But a lot of the elements of the Stromo were taken from an aircraft scrapyard and refurbished and repurposed. <laughs> the hell like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it worked. Yeah. yeah. I also read that the set was fully realized. And so if you wanted to walk to the mess hall, you had to go through corridors, maybe even pass uh, the hypersleep room and then Damn. get to it. Like, yeah. That's so cool. It feels practical yeah. and just incredible. But the transmission abruptly ends and we're taken to a corridor as the lights begin to flicker on. A pod door opens up to the hypersleep vault where inside lights fade in and reveal our crew of seven encased in individual sleeping pods. The glass doors of each open with each of the crew members still asleep inside. Kane, the executive officer played by John Hurt, is the first to wake up and he rises up as the rest of the crew begins to stir out of their sleep. That thing did not look comfortable. No. <laughs> Neither did the little, like, I almost said panties. I don't know. <laughs> whatever, the fuck, whatever they're wearing that they're yeah. sleeping in. I think those are standard issue. I don't know. <laughs> well, I don't like them. I love that they're casual around each other. They're like, <laughs> yeah. Well, there's, we'll talk, we'll talk more about that in a minute. Yeah. I have a few things. I kind of fell down a rabbit hole of stuff that Ridley Scott wanted in this film that didn't make, I don't know if he decided against it or if somebody else was like, listen, <laughs> we're not doing this, but I well, think he might be a freak. And yeah. <laughs> I'll get into it more later. I'm excited. Okay. <laughs> but in the next scene, the entire crew of the Nostromo gathers at a table for breakfast and smokes. Which I was like, I don't know if you could smoke in space. Is that yeah. all right? <laughs> I mean, they're doing it. I, yeah. yeah. They're like, try to stop me. <laughs> I've been asleep for six months or whatever. <laughs> I was say, for a long ass time. But it's a total jovial atmosphere as the camera circles around them. I know it 
came after but did this yeah. remind anybody else of john carpenter's the thing it did there's yeah. there's a lot you know it's so funny to me because dan o'bannon and john carpenter obviously knew each other yeah and so it's like well when did you start working on <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know? but i mean both films do a great job of you meeting the crew and seeing that each of them has an important role to play yes right. and, and that they're each their own character yes yeah. And that's kind of all I was thinking about with scenes like this. I was like, yeah, it's, you know, yes. even though it came out three years later, it's yes. the thing. <laughs> but we see Ellen Ripley, the warrant officer played by Sigourney Weaver, and she tops off a cup of coffee as Brett and Parker, engineers played by Harry Dean Stanton and Yafet Kodo, respectively, laugh with each other and practice what appears to be some kind of secret handshake. I don't know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> They're like, we've been asleep for a while. Let's see if we still remember. Yeah. Um, Detective Junkins came back for another yes, week. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but K- Kane checks one of the lights as Ash, the science officer played by Ian Holm, shovels cereal into his mouth. Also at the table are Dallas, the captain, played by Tom Skerritt, and Lambert, the navigator, played by Veronica Cartwright. But most importantly, Jones, the ship's cat, is also present. Most importantly, <laughs> yes. My favorite character in the film. I did, of course, want to shout out Yafet Kodo. I think he's amazing in this film. He did pass away a couple months ago, I believe. Very recently, yeah. So rest in peace. Yes. And I love him in this film. No, he's great. Yeah. Like, he's so good. I Honestly, I love the dynamic he has with brett yes mm-hmm. brett and parker are just fucking hilarious to me a couple things that they did made me laugh out loud yeah. there were a couple things that they said i'm like shouldn't i be scared right now <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but it's crazy because you just mentioned detective junkins a ton of notable people are in this movie yes yeah i did not remember yeah, that all at all you yeah. remember is sigourney weaver yeah. that's all i knew going into it and i was like oh shit There's, oh shit yeah is that <laughs> yeah bilbo's in and yeah Oh shit, you're oh, right. Yeah. yeah. I didn't even think of that. Yeah. No. He's in From Hell too. Y'all remember oh, From Hell? Yeah. I remember From Hell. Yeah. Yeah. Where yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but they joke around with each other, still waking up from their hibernation or whatever. And then Brett and Parker broach the subject of bonuses, saying that they feel they deserve equal cuts to the rest of the crew. Dallas tells them that they get what they're contracted for, and Brett counters with the fact that everyone else is being paid more than they are. So I don't know how long they slept, but this is very relatable to me because when I wake up, I also immediately stress about money. Yeah. <laughs> Pay me. Yes. And the, the crew laughs. And so I guess it's lighthearted. Yeah. They're not like, fucking pay me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it's good. It's still keeping that atmosphere, which is so needed because holy shit, do things get dark. Yeah. Yeah, they do. But an alarm begins to go off, which Ash refers to as mother and tells Dallas that it's for him. Dallas gets up to check it, saying he knows the yellow light is for his eyes only, but before leaving, he tells the crew to get dressed. We see him head down a corridor into a white room filled with tons of individual lights going on and off all around and above his head. That room looks so cool. Yeah. It looks like futuristic. Yeah. <laughs> to explain it. Can it be my room? Like, right. <laughs> I was, I loved it so much. I honestly, I love the lighting throughout the film completely. Yeah. It's me. So of course I do. Right. <laughs> But I read the cinematographer, Derek Van Lint. He worked on this film and then only worked on three more films ever. Wow. Damn. And I feel like he did such an amazing job. It's kind of surprising. Yeah. 
I saw in that documentary that Ridley Scott had done like 2,000 commercials before Alien. <laughs> God damn. Well, that's what he said. So yeah. he might have just been like two, fucking 2,000. Yeah. It felt like 2,000. It was five. But <laughs> <laughs> he said that I guess he worked on those. And then I read on Wikipedia that Derek Van Lint worked with him on some of those commercials. And so I wonder if like they worked on a commercial and then he's like, hey, I got this film called Alien. Yeah. You want to be my... And it's great that he came along. Yeah. For sure. Uh, before we move on real quick, hmm. uh, love, what is it, Brett and Parker? Yes. yes. Those guys, I know we just got done talking about it. But, <laughs> You're like, again, uh, though. Yes. Yeah. Um, I felt like, like I know there's a lot of suspense in the movie, mm-hmm. but like after they got done eating, I was like, something kind of feels already. I was like, something, you know what I mean? Like, I guess... Not like something's wrong, but it's like I'm. I was waiting like uh-huh. the whole time. I was just kind of like, all right, what's gonna happen? Yeah, like <laughs> what's something, going on? Something's yeah. a little bit off. Yeah. Well, like you've got this thing hanging over your head. You're like, what was that transmission about? Yeah. yeah. You know. Well, like, and why are we awake? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, I'm tired. Yeah. Of <laughs> <laughs> but Dallas sits down in a chair with his coffee, and he turns on a screen with a "Good morning, mother." A list of options appear, and Dallas chooses Interface 2037, and then he types the inquiry, what's the story, mother? So I don't know if the year is 2037? I think it is. Okay. Uh, I think I think the year is 2037. Also, did this... Did, like, no, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> so you're telling me I can have this room in 16 yes, years? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Just hang tight. I'll do my best. Um, This reminded me of... Cronenberg's The Fly, yeah. even though again I know that it comes after. Yeah, you're right. I got a lot of, and this this actually came before, so it probably was an influence. <laughs> uh, 2001, Space Odyssey. Yeah. That is an influence. He said that that influ- influenced him on the space aspect, and for the horror aspect of the film, he was influenced by Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Hey, you love to hear yeah. it. You love to hear it. But on the bridge, each member of the crew sits at their station, flipping switches and getting to work. Lambert asks where Earth is, and Kane tells her that she should know since she's the navigator. Yeah, that's scary. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They're like, oh, shit. What do like, you what? mean? <laughs> is that a fake ID? <laughs> <laughs> but Ripley remarks that it's not their system, so Kane tells Lambert to scan for Earth. She does so, annoyed, as Ripley attempts to make contact with Antarctica traffic control. I don't know why that's hard to say. (laughs) (laughs) But after Ripley is unsuccessful, Lambert's able to find Earth, but also discovers that they're nowhere near as far as they expected to be, which leaves Kane in a bit of disbelief. So to me, that's when I was like, okay, this is terrifying. Something's wrong. That means something's wrong. There's no room for anything to go wrong in space. (laughs) (laughs) But in the engine room, Brett and Parker jokingly bicker about their shares once again. They also slag off the crew a bit, I guess, for never coming down there. Yeah. They're like, this is where the real work is. Right. I was like, so even in space, we got blue yes. collar versus yeah. <laughs> white collar. Yeah. Earlier when they were talking to him upstairs and he was telling him about the money uh-huh. and he was like, well, I mean, if you don't want to do it, you don't get your pay. He's like, it's cool, baby. <laughs> yeah. right, yeah. don't, yeah, don't. I didn't say all that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But they all meet back up at the breakfast table or the mess hall, I guess. That's probably the more official name. Not breakfast table. (laughs) The space breakfast table. (laughs) Parker tells Ash that he's sitting in his seat. So Ash moves and Parker wipes off the seat before sitting down. That's rude. I thought you guys were friends. (laughs) But he asks what's going on. Dallas breaks the bad news to them. Obviously, they're not home yet. They're only halfway. He says their trip was interrupted by Mother, who only does so if something peculiar arises. And wouldn't you know it, something peculiar has arisen. 
absolutely not. Yeah. No. Ship, this is not up to you. Yeah, yeah I'm sorry. Mother. You want to know some bullshit? It's like if your alarm clock made you get out of bed. It's like, you, you fucking work for me. That's not, we don't do that. Are you, are you telling her the way Nancy says it? <laughs> mother. <But yeah. laughs> but he says, mother picked up the transmission that we saw at the beginning of the film and woke the crew up to check it out. Again, you are out of. Yeah. Yes. Out of bounds, but out of pocket, out of pocket. But when asked for clarification, Dallas explains that the transmission is an acoustical beacon that repeats every 12 seconds. They don't know if it's an SOS. They don't even know if it's human. And again, I'm like, well, then let's go home. Like, yeah. Yes. There's let's no... send somebody else to yeah. come investigate that. Because aren't they just like a cargo ship? Yeah, we are a cargo. Yeah, and just... that's that's where uh, Parker comes in. He's like, look, this is a commercial vehicle, yeah, not a rescue yeah. vehicle. Are you fucking kidding? Yeah. Like, no. And also, you're not even paying, enough, uh, paying us enough to do this for shit. What, for what we've already done. Right, just set a marker. We'll come back. <laughs> the waypoint. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> But Parker, very better than me, he's like, look, if you pay me, I'll do it. But otherwise, you know, jog on. Yeah. Ash reminds them of a clause in their contract that requires them to investigate any transmission of an intelligent origin, something they honestly have no proof of. Yeah. No. It's just a signal, right? What if it's just a fucking radio, like, farting? Like, I don't know. <laughs> like, I don't know what they have right now. It's 2037. I mean, <laughs> Bilbo's trying to be the stickler here. Yeah. Because really, like, did you hear that? Because I didn't hear anything. Yeah. No. Let's go home. I saw a screen of code. Yeah. So that means nothing to we me. We all shut up. We lay mm-hmm. back down in our panties and in our pods. <laughs> and we go home. We had a nice yeah. cup of coffee together. <laughs> Let's go to bed. It was great to catch up. Mm -hmm. Let's go Go back to sleep. But the worst part of it that Ash shares is that if they refuse to investigate, they forfeit all their shares. So forget about fucking bonuses. You're not even getting your base pay. Parker's tune changes. (laughs) (laughs) And they're all in. After some nifty outer space shots of the Nostromo, we return to the crew on the bridge all at their stations again, checking in with each other as the ship approaches a planet with what appears to be moons in orbit. Dallas tells the crew to prepare to disengage, and we hear a countdown as we watch the pod disengage from the ship's platform. Through scenic shots, we see the tug enter the planet's atmosphere through a bit of turbulence. The metal screeches a bit, which startles Parker, but the rest of the crew maintains. Dallas then turns on the navigation lights as the ship drops slowly, and it descends closer to the surface of the planet. This is a sight to behold. Yeah. Yes. I swear to God, it looks... It's 40 years later. Oh, yeah. yeah. It looks amazing. I saw in that documentary, according to Nick Alder, who was the visual effects supervisor, in order to have the ship land or fly, they attached the model to a pole arm, which was attached to a forklift, and they drove it along a track, or they would lower it or raise it to achieve the desired effect. That's yeah. crazy. <laughs> and that honestly seems like um, like common sense, yeah. like just the way that you would first think to do it. But it works so well. Yeah. It Sometimes the easiest. Yeah. You, know, you don't yeah. have to get all crazy and fancy. Like it worked. <laughs> and the models are so detailed. Yeah. Yes. I think that's my thing is yeah. that I was like, I think they might have actually gone to outer space. For this. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but it but it helps put you into get into it absolutely because if it was just kind of generic or it was whatever it, you'd be like oh, it kind of looks like a toy yeah but like you said with all the details and all the compartments and the blinking lights mm-hmm. and whatever and you it is like holy shit that looks good <laughs> and especially with how old it is yeah yes. like you could easily see it looking almost I don't know, like cartoony now, right, right. but no, like, no, it still it's looks crazy. Fine. Yeah. I think what's crazy to me, I think Star Wars was like two years prior, 
But I feel like I was more amazed by the spectacle of this. Yeah. I think the other thing that sells this moment so well, at least for me anyway, is the lighting. Yeah. yeah. Like not just the lighting underneath the ship, but the lighting of the planet. Yeah. And that it's like this cold blue, you know. Yeah, yeah. It's it's brilliant. I can't say enough. I could say more, but I think yeah. me and JP would get <laughs> <laughs> But the second the ship lands, shit goes crazy inside. <laughs> Immediately. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like, damn, you just touched down. <laughs> well, because it landed fucked up. Yeah, but. Yeah. On those rocks that everybody's like, Whoa, like they're all being thrown around <laughs> the and shaking. The ship's like, mm, yeah. No. <laughs> and it, honestly, it's not even that. Like, it's just a little uneven. Like, yeah. It's, it's like, dude, this is all it takes. <laughs> we should have never used you to go to space. Yeah. But. <laughs> Sparks literally begin to fly, lights go on and off, alarms <laughs> blare, and the crew puts out potential fires, totally unsure of what happened, but confirming that the hull was not breached. Afterward, Parker and Brett assess the damage in the engine room. Three to four cells are gone, and the system is all gunked up, so they have to clean it out and repressurize it, which will take about 25 hours before they're completely functional. Over the radio, Ripley tells them to get started and that she'll head down shortly to join them. Parker... <laughs> Parker's annoyed, yeah. but it's like you just said you wanted them down yeah. here. That, that's the part that made me laugh out loud because they're like, well, she would come yeah. down here. What's she going to do when Dude, she comes down here? Brett's like, she better stay she out better. of my way because yeah. I'll drop that motherfucker. <laughs> yeah, like, what the fuck? So it's like, whoa. Why are you so petty? It's like, so ridiculous. I was laughing out loud. I just love, I just love it. But <laughs> the wind howls outside and we get this great shot of the cold blue planet along with the blue interior lights of the ship along with the yellow lights of the exterior chef's kiss Mm -hmm. back inside ash relays to dallas that he isn't getting any responses except for that same transmission every 12 seconds he says all the other channels are dead dallas tells them to turn on the floodlights and we get a shot of them turning on outside slowly fading in to reveal a silhouette of the ship among the rocks of the planet which again amazing oh yeah like i can't I can't. <laughs> you know, the funny thing, I, I brought up Star Wars like three times, but I did see on that documentary that Alien was filmed at Shepperton Studios in England, which is where a lot of Star Wars was also oh, filmed. Oh, wow. Yeah. It's a space place. Yeah. yeah. Fox is like, just do everything yeah. they did. <laughs> but back on the bridge, Kane tells them that they can't go anywhere in this weather, but Dallas tells him that Mother says the sun will be up in 20 minutes. Ash tells them that they're 2,000 meters from the site of the transmission and runs an atmospheric test. The test makes the planet sound anything but habitable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The phrase deep cold, I believe, was thrown around. Yeah. <laughs> Please, no. And I like the cold. Right, but deep space. Yeah. The deep space, the deep sea. The deep web. The deep. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to be anywhere no. in these places at all. You know, I can't think of one deep... <laughs> I I struggled for a second, but (laughs) Kane volunteers to be in the first group to investigate with Lambert being voluntold to join them. (laughs) Yeah, she didn't look happy. They were like, and you, you're with us. Damn it. But Dallas reminds them to bring weapons with them. And I was like, God damn, aren't you a cargo? (laughs) Like, what weapons do you have? What are we doing? Like, we got a fork from the mess hall, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) But in the next scene, we see Ash... (laughs) Running in place for an odd moment. Yeah. yeah. He's, like, what? he's like, damn, I've been asleep too long. I was like, damn, he's excited. Yeah. <laughs> he's got to get that blood pumping. I guess. I. That's literally where I said, I guess to get the blood pumping. I don't know. 
But he does this before opening up the pod doors for Kane, Dallas, and Lambert, who are all suited up, complete with these awesome-looking dome-shaped helmets. Uh-huh. Again, all the costume, all the set, all yeah. the... I can't say it's enough. It's great. Another interesting note that I did see from that Alien Legacy documentary, Ron Cobb, he was the concept artist, he talked about the functionality of the doors on the ship because you notice these pod doors open differently than the ones on the ship. Yeah. And he said, we have to have these pressurized for the ship as opposed to the doors between the corridors. Yeah. And it's like... That's people so smart. Wouldn't even yeah. think of that. That's so smart. Like if they opened up like the other doors, people would be like, yeah, of course. Yeah. yeah. You wouldn't <laughs> think twice. No. So it's just the attention to detail is just amazing. But the trio takes a short ride down a little elevator and they walk right into the blue fog of the surface of the planet. The wind howls as they move into the dark, reminding Ash to leave the line open for communication. Back in the engine room, Brett and Parker are hard at work with Ripley. Parker once again is like, so if they find what they're looking for out there, we get full shares, right? <laughs> about the money, oh, yeah. though. <laughs> Ripley's fucking over it, and she tells him not to worry about it, and that he'll get whatever's coming to him, which sounds like a threat. It yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but Brett tells her that he's not working until it's all sorted out. They're the entire time yelling over the sound of steam. Yeah. yeah. But Ripley tells them that by law, they're guaranteed a share, and then tells them to fuck off. Well, I mean... Yeah, what more are you going to say? Yeah. Not to hear it. It's like I was peacefully sleeping away from yeah. this bullshit. <laughs> Wake up. It's back on. But she heads back to the bridge and Parker jokingly tells her to come back. And then he turns the steam off. Yeah. <laughs> I was, I was like, like, you're just being an asshole. You asshole. <laughs> I read that Yafit Koto was told by Ridley Scott mm -hmm. in between takes to constantly annoy Sigourney Weaver. <laughs> That's fucked. To kind of make that come through. Right. And he did it, but he was bummed out about it because he really liked her. Yeah. <laughs> he, I obviously wanted her to like right. him. Well, yeah. He just, yeah. He's like, but I got to be a dick. Be, yeah. <laughs> be a complete <laughs> asshole. That's funny. Uh, the I did notice a weird moment of ADR in this. I've a couple times. I don't know yeah. if the steam like they had I don't trouble. Know. Yeah, but her mouth does not match a lot of no. what she says. But that is probably the most nitpicky thing I could even say. Yeah, I. No, spoiler alert! I don't really have any complaints about this film. <laughs> <laughs> but on the planet, the three crew members continue on, remarking that they can't see anything on the bridge. Ripley asks Ash if she can run the transmission through ECIU, which I guess is some kind of translation software. Uh-huh. Because they do not say. Yeah. No. I'm like, oh, you're just supposed to know what this is. I know. <laughs> like, oh, you didn't read your alien pamphlet yeah. before? <laughs> we complain about spoon feeding a lot, and yeah. this is not But I'm like, I'm sorry. Feeding. Excuse me. I've never been on yeah. a spaceship before. <laughs> but Ash just tells her to go for it. Jones adorably licks his paw as the machine gets to work and the sun begins to rise on the planet. Back on the surface, Dallas leads the way as the three of them march on. Suddenly, they stumble upon something. It's a massive U-shaped spacecraft crash-landed onto the surface of the planet. Dallas radios into Ash, who remarks that he's never seen anything like it. Well, the thing is massive. It's yeah, unbelievable. It is. It's like, God damn, how big is that? It's and the thing is, is that okay, again, I know that they were not really on a planet, but right. <laughs> They sell it so well that you think they could have been. <laughs> no, well, that's the thing. And now I know you talk about like, you know, you get into detail. And yeah. You're like, I love the lighting and I love this and that. But this, yes. Mm -hmm. It's like, holy shit. 
I I can imagine that being real. Oh, yes. yeah. I did watch this documentary called Giger's Alien, and it was about H.R. Giger and his... He actually narrated the documentary. So there were a no. lot of... <laughs> there were some moments where he <laughs> was talking about his own designs and then remarking about the crew being impressed by his designs. <laughs> I was like, I think you gave him a little too much. Yeah. He's like, I'm great. Creative control. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but long story short... Giger was responsible for the design of the planet, as well as the creature design that we'll get into in just a bit, as well as basically anything having to do with alien, having to do with the exterior of the ship, etc. But as I mentioned in the intro, the way he got involved was through O'Bannon learning about his work when he worked on Dune, which never got made. Right. But Giger did, I guess, some test designs for the director... And he loved them, and then O'Bannon caught wind of them. And then when it came time for Alien to be made, O'Bannon's like, I got the guy. Right. Yeah. And so they showed the shit. Not the shit. <laughs> it's really great. It's not shit. I don't know why I said that. <laughs> You're getting too casual. Yeah, yeah. Getting a little too casual. But they showed um, a book of <laughs> Giger's work to Ridley Scott, and he kind of, he's, he said in an interview that he basically like fell out of his chair. Well... And he's like, I know that we need to hire this dude immediately. And he said later, he said, I've never been more sure of anything in my entire life. And he is so right. Well, yeah. But to your point about the models, they built them at Shepperton Studios to the specifications of Giger's design. Right. And a lot of them are the size that you see. Like, (laughs) we'll get to one scene in a minute that it seems like they might have messed with dimensions. Right. They did not. That's insane. And so it's it's pretty remarkable. Now this ship is not the size of an actual spaceship. Yeah. But <laughs> Are you sure? I'm like 90% sure. <laughs> that was I think perspective and but the rocks though right on the planet were like the size of a man. Damn. Holy shit. And so it's just like it's unbelievable. Watch that documentary cuz watching them put this stuff together is just remarkable. Yeah. yeah. But after they see the ship Lambert's ready to cash in and get the hell out of Dodge, but Kane says they've come this far so they have to continue. No, we don't. No. (laughs) Can't you just say you did? I don't understand. Well, there's always that one person in the group that's going to be like, um, weren't we supposed to have homework? Oh, you piece of shit. Yeah. Yeah, but then that's why you fucking blanket party him after after class. (laughs) (laughs) But their line of communication grows a little fuzzy with Ash, who retreats back to the console. Dallas, Lambert, and Kane cautiously climb over rocks and make their way into the ship. At this point... Ash's monitor is nothing but static, which is very troubling. (laughs) Yes. But over the rhythmic sounds of their breathing, we watch as the crew slowly investigates the ship in the light of their helmets. Kane notices a wall and decides to climb up. Once he does, he discovers a massive room intricately designed, but most importantly, there appears to be a giant, deceased alien life form seated in a large chair at the center. Are you fucking (laughs) kidding me? Can we go back to the ship now? Are you kidding? How do you not immediately turn your ass around and get the fuck out of there? Um, Yeah, that's a great question. Yeah. <laughs> if you want to be a stickler to the rules, you can stay. Yeah. I'm I'm gone. Like, I'll tell your stories. <laughs> yeah, oh, my God. It took me a minute to realize, and then I was like, what holy it was? shit. Yes. Was like, no. Yeah, because the thing I think the thing is, is about the room, everything kind of blends together with this like dark color palette. Yeah. And so once you realize, you're like, I suppose. That's a fucking thing. Yeah. Yeah. Like a living. Yeah. No, we're done. Uh Uh-uh. But on that documentary, I found out that this alien light form is meant to be the pilot of this spacecraft. And the original 
like model of it right. was sculpted by Giger and his, I guess, coworker on the project, Peter Voicy, out of clay. Oh, wow. So after they sculpted it, the art department made a plaster mold of the sculpture, and then they placed it all together on this massive set. And like I said about the colors being painted. Right. So similarly, they did that because they wanted everything to blend in because they were made separately. Wow. wow. All right. And so it just, it it's one of the coolest sets yeah. I've ever seen. I can't imagine being an actor on this set. No. <laughs> I'd be scared. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> like even knowing it's not real. Yeah. I need to go to my trailer. <laughs> <laughs> Regroup. But after Dallas sees it, he remarks that it's been dead so long that it's fossilized and it appears to be growing out of the chair because it's been there for so long, as I said. <laughs> <laughs> Still so long. Still so long. It's a long time. But in the fossils, Dallas also notices that its rib cage is opened outward as if something exploded from inside. Lambert wonders aloud what happened to the rest of the crew, but then comes back to her senses once again saying, we got to get the fuck out of here. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Lambert's the only one making sense. Yeah. Yes. It looked like he wanted to touch it. The yeah. Other guy. Can, like, you can you not? Yeah. You don't know what? Oh yeah. Please it, back up. It, you just said it exploded from the yeah. inside. Yes. So let's touch it. Yeah. <laughs> and you want to know, I think here's what really gets me the most is that, hmm, it's a ship that landed here. We're a ship right. that landed yeah. <laughs> We came because of a beacon. Maybe they came because nope. of a beacon. Yeah. I don't want any part of this. It smells like an ambush. It does get fucking flanked yeah. or whatever. Yes. But before they can bail, Kane draws their attention to a hole in the floor of the ship. Back on the bridge of the Nostromo, Ripley says Mother has translated part of the transmission and that it's not an SOS. It's a warning. She's, no. Yeah. No, please. <laughs> What, right? Yeah. yeah. No. She says that she wants to go out there, but Ash is like, look, by the time you get out there, they'll know it's a warning, right? Super sensitive. <laughs> wow. How? How would they know? They will know because what they dead? were being warned yeah. against. Yes. At this point, I was like, I don't think I like this Ash character. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think you might be a jerk. Yeah. Noted. But back on the alien ship, Kane begins to descend down the hole. As he's lowered, his light catches the walls and they shimmer in a smooth blackness. Zero bullshit. That shot gave me goosebumps. Well, yeah, it's... It, what are y'all doing? Yeah. I, uh, what are you doing? I don't know. <laughs> I'm not helping you lower yourself no. inside that hole. <laughs> and I love how they're like, no, we'll just radio from up here. You, yeah, you yeah. go down. <laughs> go right ahead. I mean, but Kane makes it to the bottom and he notes that the cave is enclosed and filled with leathery objects. He says, like eggs or something. Yeah. Or no. something. Or something. No, honestly, either of those things are better. Yeah. <laughs> but he kneels down to observe a layer of blue mist hanging over the eggs, but loses his footing and slides down beneath the mist and onto the ground where the eggs are located. And I oop. Yep. <laughs> I read on IMDb, I don't know if it's true, but they said that the who was next door working on something and they borrowed yeah. those blue lights from the uh. who <laughs> that was so cool but dallas checks in over the radio and <laughs> kane says he's fine i'm sorry i was thinking they asked if they could borrow the lights and he was like yeah <laughs> <laughs> well first they were like who are you <laughs> <laughs> sorry, that's so stupid no it's it's fantastic <laughs> but now amongst a grid of black eggs, Kane reaches out to one only to experience a slight electrical shock. 
He then notices movement within one of the pods, and it appears somewhat translucent when he shines his light onto it. Then suddenly, the top of the egg opens like a mouth. I have no words. (laughs) (laughs) Literally, what do you do? It's just nope after nope after nope after nope. Well, you shouldn't have been down there in the first place. No, no. Do like they always do. Get the little glow stick, throw it down. <laughs> right. See how Anybody far. Down there? See if you can and, peek yeah. in. Yeah. Right. yeah. We, nope. We, we did our know. job. Yeah. yeah. I mean, on the ring, they only went in there accidentally. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but the opened egg moves with an odd wetness. But then with the quickness, something shoots out of the egg and wraps around Kane's helmet. No, please. No. Yeah. None of this. It's so abrupt. And it's honestly the first real. I guess horror situation to happen in the film. Yeah. Yeah. I wanted to mention that because I feel like, you know, we pause to take notes and stuff and all the way up until this point, it's like what, maybe half an hour in, right? Mm-hmm. which it doesn't feel like it. No, let me no, say no. that. But you're, I, this is when it really like pops off and it's like, we've spent this whole time building up and it's like, here we fucking yeah. go mm-hmm. and go. We do. Yeah. <laughs> and it doesn't stop. No, I did want to call out that the egg, according to the documentary, was made out of pig intestines, which they felt couldn't be replicated artificially, and so they had to use the in- actual intestines. Ew. Oh, wow. And I guess they would have to go every day to get them because depending on how long you're shooting, it can get a little gross. Right. Uh, just a little just gross. Just a little gross. Slightly <laughs> <laughs> yeah. gross. I'm underselling the grossness here. <laughs> but Giger said that the original design of the eggs gave producers pause because they were too similar to vaginas. And they were worried about censorship. So their their solution was to double it and make it cross-shaped. So now you have two vaginas. Now you got double vaginas. Yeah. (laughs) Um, are you sure Ridley Scott wasn't the one that was like, I think those are pussies? (laughs) I'm I'm afraid to learn what you have to say. But we're then treated to an exterior shot of the alien ship as the stillness of the scene is broken by the sound of harsh winds. Back outside the Nostromo, we see what appears to be two figures moving towards the elevator. We see that it's Dallas and Lambert, along with what appears to be Kane's unconscious body. They plead with Ripley to let them inside, telling her that an organism has attached itself to Kane and that they have to get him to the infirmary. Ripley reminds them of the quarantine protocols, but they're not about that life. I bet they'd be anti-maskers. Oh, yeah, probably. They're like, um, (laughs) it's my right as a space citizen or whatever. (laughs) Fuck off. But she says there's a 24-hour decontamination process, but they tell her that Kane could die in that time and to open the hatch. Ripley refuses on the grounds that it could prove fatal for everyone else aboard the ship. Dallas then fucking pulls rank like an asshole and orders her to open the hatch. She's doing the right thing. Yeah. Yeah. What What would y'all do? I I'm not gonna lie. I she, she that's the right call. It yeah. is. Yeah. Don't I I get maybe they didn't seem like good of friends or whatever, but they seemed familiar with each other. Whatever. I feel like mm-hmm. they're friends. But well, I mean, either way though, if you've got something on your face, I, I mean, don't know a, what it it's is. It's a hard decision to make, but it's the right right decision. And I think in this past year, we've all learned the importance <laughs> of quarantining. Yeah. Yes. This, I mean, this concept is yeah. uh, <laughs> this this film maybe, has never been more relevant. I was gonna say, maybe it's just hitting home. <laughs> yeah, my thing again. I'm glad Ripley stands her ground, but the thing is, it's like, look, Dallas is the captain, but he's not following the rules, right? Like, yeah. so right. You know, Ripley may not be in command in title, but she's the only one thinking like a leader. Yeah, but unfortunately, even though she stands her ground, Ash just decides to open up the hatch and let them inside. 
you asshole. <laughs> I would be fuming. Yeah. Like, first of all, you put all of us at danger no, in danger yeah. at this point. But like also, how awkward is it gonna be at the space at the, breakfast the table now? <laughs> well, not only that, look. Eating space eggs. I get, <laughs> just glaring yeah, at each other. I, I get we're supposed to go explore and see where the signal's coming from, whatever. Mm-hmm. Look what that got you. Now yeah. you, now your buddy's got this thing fucking wrapped yep. around his head. Yep. You mm-hmm. don't know what it is. But you want to bring them aboard the ship. I mean, I get it. Like you said, maybe they are all friends and they whatever. Mm-hmm. But still, it's like, come on. You don't know what that is. And then I think the big thing is like, look, okay, look. Kane may be our friend. Right. But is Kane coming back on board worth Brett's life? Worth Parker's right. life? What about Everybody. the rest of life? Yeah. yeah. I'd say no. I mean, Kane what? seemed like a cool guy and all not, that. But. Well, not only that, <laughs> she's saying what, 24 hours? Yeah. If I mean, I'm sure you would understand if I came back, I'd hope you'd throw my ass in a room by myself. You for don't want to kill hours. everybody else, no. yeah. potentially. And you knew when you left. Yeah, you knew the, <laughs> the risks. Risk. Yeah. I just don't understand. Dallas was like, let us in. Yeah. <laughs> and Ripley's fucking like John Goodman. She's like, am I the only one that gets our shit about the rules? <laughs> but once inside, we get a tight shot on Kane's helmet as Dallas and Ash crack it open. We see that the alien organism is fully attached to his face, moving as he breathes with eight legs and a tail wrapped around his throat. What do you what do you do? <laughs> what do you do with this? See, and this is this is where I was like, well, how normal are aliens? I don't yeah. you know. It's 2037. I don't know. I did want to point out very quickly. Uh, the legs are moving by strings that we can't yeah. see. And you see that as Kane breathes, the bag kind of moves right. on the alien. It's a small air pump that they've placed inside the alien model. (laughs) So it's like practical effects for the win. Yeah. I read that the face hugger originally was supposed to be green. Oh, that's no good. They were going to paint it green. And then when they saw it like this, they're like, the flesh color is scarier. And it is. Yeah, it's way creepier. And I mean, I don't know. Maybe it's... I, I have a thing, not necessarily a massive fear... But tight spaces. Right. Oh, yeah. This is the tightest space. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's literally in his. No, yeah. Also, what's, what's scarier to me is like, he's just laying there. Yeah. Like, yeah. if he was trying to pull it off or if, you know, he was fighting it, that would be scary. But I think it's scarier that he's just like, Mm-hmm. letting it happen either asleep or just <laughs> yeah. accepting it yeah Wait, so i i also want to point out that there a scene that i guess we didn't see which was never written probably but they probably screamed down that hole and then they had to <laughs> they had right. to pull his unconscious body up or because there's no way they could all yeah. climb down and get him no yeah so he's just fucking hanging <laughs> With the alien on with his face. On him, They're yeah. just screaming the whole time, pulling him up. Like, it's, <laughs> I just, this is, oh, it's a horror movie. Oh, yeah. yeah. And this is, again, back to that fucking debate that got raised on Twitter. Oh, man. Where that, that horror movies can't yes. take place in space. This is your fucking primo space horror movie. That, that's so embarrassing. <laughs> I would delete the tweet and apologize. I don't, I think, I think they doubled down. They doubled down because literally everybody was like, uh, alien though yeah look no that's not a horror film that's sci-fi sci-fi horror look here's (laughs) i i think everyone's entitled to their opinion but a lot of opinions are shitty i was gonna say but that opinion is wrong yeah (laughs) this is a horror film, and you should feel bad (laughs) (laughs) 
But after seeing how tight it's wrapped around Kane's face and neck, they realize that they can't remove the creature without tearing Kane's face off in the process. Yikes. <laughs> yeah. Parker shouts out, asking why they're not freezing him, but we see they move him to a man-sized compartment inside the infirmary with a glass window. They switch a button, and a light scans over Kane's body from head to toe and back again as they watch. Just a side note, Ridley Scott said that he wanted it to where every button on the ship is functional, and it was. Oh my god. (laughs) Attention to detail. But... Through the scan, they see the creature has stuck something down Kane's throat, which Ash assumes is feeding him oxygen. Dallas is like, we need to get it off of him. Yeah. But Ash reminds him that they don't know jack shit about this thing. If it is feeding him oxygen, removing it could kill him. But there's oxygen out here. Yeah, but maybe. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. That doesn't really track. Ash is me. like, no, he ruined his lungs. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> He's giving him special oxygen, yeah. space oxygen. <laughs> <laughs> but Dallas thinks for two seconds, and then he says he's willing to take that chance. But if it goes wrong, he'll take full responsibility. You better. Yeah, yeah. No this was shit. not. This man does not represent yeah. us. <laughs> <laughs> so in the next scene. Kane is on the operating table, and with a laser scalpel, Dallas goes to work removing one of the creature's legs. Unfortunately for him, its blood is corrosive as fuck, and as it drips to the floor, it eats right through it in an acidic sizzle. Immediately. (laughs) See, that would have been my first thought, too. Let's cut it off. Yeah. Yeah. But now, yeah. Like, God damn it. That is no longer an option. We are out of plans. (laughs) (laughs) You can't. Take it off, or you're gonna rip no. his face off. Yeah, you can't cut it, no. or you're gonna burn a hole in the fucking <laughs> ship. So, firstly, the visual of the floor sizzling. Oh yeah. Why is it satisfying? I don't know, but it is. It's like I feel like that's what some people feel when they watch ASMR videos. Because I was like, hmm, that's great. <laughs> what some people? Feel. Well, it doesn't work for me. I. What's that? Yeah. <laughs> But Dallas bursts out of the operation into the hall and alerts the crew that the blood is going to eat through the hull, and they follow him to the room underneath the infirmary where the goo is eaten through. They travel to the level below that and see that it's eaten through the next level, too. Dallas snags a pin from Brett and pokes into the hole in the ceiling. The pin smokes as he pulls it out, and Parker remarks that it's an incredible defense mechanism. Ripley asks, what about Kane? And Dallas looks a little uncertain. Parker asks what they should do, and Dallas snaps back into captain mode, telling them to leave it to Ash and get back to work. What do you do with that? I stay... <laughs> Bye, Kane. Yeah. Yeah, sorry, I, I'm Kane. sorry. Right? Or what did Parker say earlier? Freeze him or yeah. something. And then when we get back to Earth in right. fucking five years or whenever, <laughs> um, we're getting back to Earth. Yeah. It's like in Let the year- them take a crack yeah. at yeah. In the year 3000, we'll yeah. welcome him to the world of tomorrow. <laughs> <Yes>. We're not <laughs> equipped. No. We're clearly not equipped for this. In the next scene, we see Parker and Brett working to repair the ship and chatting about how they never should have landed on this planet in the first place. And the sooner they can get out, the better. Amen. Yes. Yeah. Never. <laughs> no. I did. I don't. I read the screenplay in preparation for this. And this bit of dialogue is not in there. It's not scripted. And you can tell. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I read that a lot of it was improv. Really? Oh, yeah. yeah. Or that they had a little bit to build off yeah. of. And then this this scene to me felt like Ridley Scott's like, okay, now think about how bad of a bad idea this was. <laughs> and action. And they're like, we, man, it sucks. Man. Yeah. <laughs> Should have never come here. It's scary. <laughs> 
<laughs> they just knew we would want more Parker and Brett. Yeah. And they gambled and won because I, I love seeing them. But back in the infirmary, Kane lies motionless, the creature is still attached to his face. The camera sweeps over to Ash, who is sat at a monitor, reviewing samples on a microscope. Ridley sidles up to him, saying it's amazing and asking him what it is. Ash has no clue. She asks how Kane is, and he says there's been no change. When she asks about their little friend, Ash explains that the creature sheds cells and replaces them with polarized silicon, which makes it more resilient to adverse conditions. I'm sorry, what? <laughs> Why are you being so casual about I don't know. this? That is horrible news. He's like, um, we're fucked. Anyway, yeah. so. <laughs> Ripley should have been like, I fucking told yeah. you. Yeah, but she she played it cool. She's I respect that. She's being cool about it. Ripley does tell him that he let it in, though, which is true. And he's like, I was just following a direct order. Actually. Yeah. yeah. Conveniently and factually, Ripley reminds him that when Dallas and Kane are off the ship, she's the senior officer and that he broke basic quarantine law and risks everyone's life bringing Kane back on board. Ash says it was a risk he was willing to take and tells her to do her job and let him do his. Ripley leaves, but Ash follows soon after. I'm like, I thought you were going to work. Yeah. <laughs> He's too mad to work now. He's like, my work will suffer. I need, a, <laughs> I need a smoke. But in the next scene, we see Dallas sitting in the shuttle of the Narcissus listening to classical music. Just a sidebar, he's actually listening to a little night music, which we talked about on 1408, which also showed up in Creepshow. Yes. So I was wondering, I had thought that in 1408, it was an homage to Creepshow, mm -hmm. but I'm wondering if Creepshow was an homage to Alien. Yeah, I was going to say maybe not. I don't know. But Ash calls him on the radio and tells him that he needs to come and take a look at Kane because something has happened. He asks if it's serious, but Ash counters saying, it's interesting. <laughs> Dallas then radios into Ripley and tells her to meet them in the infirmary. So the Narcissus is obviously a model, and we get this really neat exterior shot of the shuttle itself. Mm -hmm. But in the scene, and a later scene that we'll talk about, according to that Alien Legacy documentary, they would use rear projection to make it as appear as though the actors were inside the model for the exterior shots. Oh, wow. And it's done so well that I was like, oh, so they built a giant shuttle model. No. They didn't. Wow. It's just unbelievable work. Yeah. But inside the infirmary, we see that the creature has completely disappeared. The scene opening on a shot of Kane's naked face. That's interesting to you? Yeah. yeah. I mean, <laughs> he's like, it's pretty neat. Yeah. <laughs> Just come on down. Yeah. Are you fucking no. kidding me? He's like, okay, now help. Yeah. <laughs> I would be furious. Now that I've got you here. Yeah. <laughs> But Dallas, Ash, and Ripley cautiously make their way inside, looking around. Dallas checks Kane's pulse, and we hear the sound of his breathing. They look around for the creature in silence when Dallas accidentally knocks over a heavy piece of metal, scaring the shit out of Ripley. He apologizes, and Ash closes the door to the infirmary. <laughs> it's like, rookie mistake. You're literally looking for a tiny alien, yeah. <laughs> and you left the door fucking wide open. I was open. like, why didn't we close the yeah, door immediately? I, I thought that yeah, too. in case he wants to slip out, I guess, you know. I mean, it's probably fine. Yeah, I like to sleep in the cold, so <laughs> maybe Kane enjoys the breeze. But Ash hands Ripley a medical tray and a small light to aid in the search. She slowly steps over to Kane and calls his name. Behind her in the shadows, we see the tail of the creature slip down from above, and then the creature itself drops onto her shoulder. She screams and falls to the floor, and the alien tumbles to the floor as well, legs curled up like a dead spider. Ash pokes his light at its belly to check it out, disobeying Dallas, who tells him to cover it up immediately. 
when he pokes at it, it responds with movement. Dallas says it's still alive, but Ash says that it's just a reflex. Because you're the expert. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, you literally said, I don't know yeah. <laughs> what I'm looking at. I love the reveal of it because we see it just before she does. Mm-hmm. And it's just quietly there. Yeah. Like, yes. Very creepy and very effective. I think their use of silence in this movie is just unbelievable. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And moments like that, you're like, this is why people talk about this film so yeah. much. In another movie, it would be like yeah. it would be yeah. a big swell of music and then it falls on her, but no, nah. it's just there. And what was its plan? <laughs> yeah. Say <laughs> like, I'm gonna I'm just gonna fuck her right. with her a little bit. <laughs> but they scoop it up and look at it under a bright light. Ash peels open some fleshy flaps and says that it's definitely dead. When you're looking at it, I was like and I've never even had oysters, but I was like, that looks like, <laughs> those look like oysters. It did, you're right. And so I looked it up because I was curious, and it was oysters. Oh, no shit. <laughs> Fresh shellfish and a sheep kidney. Who would think to put <laughs> these things together? <laughs> but they look fleshy and disgusting. Yeah. And ugh. It yeah. looks good. It, it does. looks great. I wouldn't eat it, but no. <laughs> it may have turned me off of oysters yeah. permanently. So I will never try it. <laughs> but Ripley says they need to get rid of it. The motherfucker bleeds acid and who knows what it'll do yeah. when it's dead. It could release some kind of noxious gas. You don't fucking know. Yes, it could. Ash disagrees, you know, for science. Yeah. Listen, Bill Nye, <laughs> any of the science shit you're trying to do right now, we can do on Earth better. Yeah. Uh-huh. But lock that little fucker up. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. And let's go back to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> You're just ready to go. <laughs> That's my solution for everything is let's just go back to nah. sleep. Honestly, this never happened. Sleep solves all. I don't know <laughs> if you guys know this. No. Especially that deep sleep thing they got going on. Yeah, man. Hook me up. Boot that thing off. Fuck that. <laughs> Dead or not. Even, yeah. No. Don't even bring it back. No. Boot it off like you it's just a door. <laughs> it's like fucking fresh prints. They throw yeah. them out. <laughs> we, uh, I mean, yeah. Even if it's not moving, whatever. It's like, oh no, it's that. No, we don't know no. that. You don't. And, yeah, dude, we don't know. What that. if that's just how it relaxes? You don't know anything. <laughs> or what if it like fools you? Yeah, like, right. That's it's a possum. <laughs> we don't, <laughs> we don't know. Well, it's not a possum, but <laughs> it's a space possum. <laughs> but very unfortunately for Ripley. Dallas says that it's Ash's call because he's the scientist. Bullshit. Yeah. Yeah. Bullshit. The two of them head out arguing with Ripley pleading for him to listen. She closes one of the doors in the corridor so he has no choice but to hear her out. He explains that anything going on in the science division is up to Ash and that they have to do what the company who shipped them out wants them to do. He's like, my job is the ship. Ripley then asks if he ever shipped out with Ash before, and Dallas reveals that he went on five missions with another science officer, but the company replaced that officer with Ash two days before embarking on this mission. Hmm. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. (laughs) Ripley says that she does not trust him, but Dallas one-ups her, and he says that he doesn't trust anybody. It's like, don't be a dick. Right. Yeah. <laughs> There's really no reason for him to say that. Is he Is he still he's pissed? He's a one-upper. Yeah. He's like, you weren't going to let me in, so. Yeah. But he asks about the repairs, which Ripley says are pretty much finished. She tells him that they're still blind on a couple decks, so more work is required. But Dallas says that they can take off without that, which does not seem like a good idea. Yeah. No. Especially, the he just said your job was the ship, man. Like, yeah. is that true or not? <laughs> 
But the wind rages outside as we see the Nostromo rising up from the rocks. The crew works together as the ship reaches the planet's atmosphere and eventually space itself, leaving the planet behind. Brett and Parker pat themselves on the back for their handiwork, which you love to see. Yeah. yeah. What, was I the only one expecting it to crash? Yes. I, I was. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> That's not what I meant. Yes. I thought as soon as they were like, great job, us. Boom. Yeah. Like, so, you know, and then they're stuck on the planet for even longer. But thankfully, no. Later on, the crew sits in the mess hall chatting about what to do with Kane. Parker, still on that Sub-Zero shit, says, we got to freeze this dude. <laughs> Brett is like, right. Ripley says, no matter what Parker says, <laughs> Brett always says, right. Brett replies with, right. <laughs> <laughs> but they joke around for a bit, but Dallas is fed up. He's like, knock it off, but says that Kane will have to go into quarantine. And Ripley says that they will, too, because they've all been around yes, this dude. Now you're all about quarantine. Yeah. Okay. Hmm. Lambert comes in with some bad news, though. According to her calculations, it'll be 10 months before they reach Earth. Fucking hell. Yeah. Can That's a while. <laughs> we can sleep, right? I mean, uh, for the whole 10 months. Oh, hell yeah. What about the cat? Uh, the cat will just rock about. <laughs> rock about. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, cats like to be on their own a lot of the time. You'll right? enjoy it. Yeah. Just then, Ash radios in saying Dallas needs to come see Kane immediately. Dallas asks if anything has changed, but Ash tells him it's simpler to just come and see. If you don't stop being so goddamn cryptic, (laughs) I'm not going until you tell me what is going on over the radio. (laughs) I felt like McCready in the thing when he was like, cut the bullshit. (laughs) I'm so over this dude. And I'm with Ripley. I don't trust him. No. But the entire crew gets up to check him out. Brett joining them after letting out another right. (laughs) In the infirmary, Kane looks like he just woke up from a long nap. He drinks a cup of water and they ask how he is and what the last thing he remembers is. He tells them he remembers having an awful dream about being smothered, but then he quickly changes the subject. I'm stressed. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like from this point until the film is over, I am just, everything in me is like, You're being woken up by mother. (laughs) Very wrong. No, it's tough. And it doesn't let up. I think that's the thing. You don't get a break. No, but they fill him in. They tell him that they're on their way home. And then they decide to grab one last meal together before putting themselves back into hibernation for the journey. Cut to them seated at the table. Everyone's too happy. Yeah, Yeah, you're like, I'm very nervous. (laughs) Kane is all smiles, helping himself to a giant pile of food. Ash watches on almost in an anticipatory kind of way. Yeah. I don't like this. No. (laughs) (laughs) There's nothing about him that's giving me good vibes whatsoever. But Kane says the first thing he's doing when they get home is getting some decent food. Parker says he's had better, but he's also had worse. Lambert says that he pounds that stuff like there's no tomorrow. And Parker's like, well, I'd rather be eating something else. I'm like, oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) Holy Lord. And Lambert's like, Jesus Christ. (laughs) But Kane cracks a joke about the food and Parker goes to continue the riff. But Kane suddenly begins coughing and gagging. Ash looks on unbothered, but the atmosphere goes from jovial to concerned almost immediately. They try to help Kane work the turkey through or whatever. (laughs) (laughs) He just continues retching and gasping. They lie him on the table as he writhes and shakes. They try to hold his mouth open, but he's thrashing too much for them to get a good hold on his face. 
He then lets out a pained scream when suddenly blood shoots out from his chest, a red stain appearing on his white shirt. Lambert screams and the crew freezes. They hold him down. And out of nowhere, though, we see something burst out of Kane's chest with a punch. Blood pours out in the crew's screams. We finally see what it is. Through blood and the torn t-shirt, a small alien creature with sharp teeth is birthed through the hole in Kane's chest. It looks around at the crew, but when Parker picks up his knife in defense, Ash screams at him not to touch it. You're out of your fucking (laughs) mind. He's like, for science. (laughs) Again, Bill Nye, enough. I love science. Yes. Neil deGrasse Tyson. (laughs) (laughs) Enough. We're done. Did you not see what just happened? No. Oh, my God. Well, I would probably punch him in the face. (laughs) Well, that only happened because he let the guy stay. You let him back on the ship. Uh Yes. So now look what happened. Yes. Now, now he's dead. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> right now we're going to die. Exactly. And it's loose. Yes. Yeah. That's the thing. The oh creature, God. it lets out a scream and then runs away with its tail flapping in the breeze. That scream was, <laughs> thanks, Ash. <Yeah. laughs> Good looking out, bro. So I, I did want to point out a couple of things. Ridley Scott told Games Radar that they had to do kind of a one shot of this because they knew they didn't have time for cleanup to do it over and over again. So they shot it with five cameras at the same time in two takes. He actually said that they hurt John Hurt's mouth when they were trying to pry it open with the fucking <laughs> thing. They hurt John Hurt. They hurt John Aww. Hurt. The initial pop of blood was achieved with an airline of blood stashed under John Hurt's shirt. And the first punch through his chest is actually a shell model, which the cast had never seen before, which really helps sell the fear of the moment. Yeah. In retrospect, though, and I think we can all agree, Ridley Scott said that this scene is the beginning of the Alien franchise. Yeah. Like uh, yeah, that's what you remember. Yeah, because yeah. before it's like, you know, it's just a crew yeah. chilling out. <laughs> and then shit goes Yeah, no, we're at, the, we're at the point of no return. Right. What's, this point. what's worse than that? Something busting through your buddy's yeah, chest. Nothing. I mean, <laughs> and you're in the middle, literally yeah. in the middle of nowhere. And it's literally yeah. on, the worst way on the loose. Oh yeah, that's the worst part. I think. Thanks well, to I guess the buddy dying is pretty bad. <laughs> the worst part. Yeah, the worst part is I'm afraid. I got blood on my shirt. <laughs> I was eating breakfast. <laughs> I actually read that the cinematographer threw up while they were filming this. That's when you know you're doing something good, right? Like he's working for us, and we got him. <laughs> One last thing about this scene, though. The face hugger and the chest burster were actually designed by a guy called Roger Dickin because after they saw the concept art, I guess, of the first design from Giger, they said it looked too (laughs) turkey-like. And they were like, look, we know this scene is going to fucking make or break the film. Yeah. And if it's some Thanksgiving shit, we can't. (laughs) (laughs) They're like, we do oysters. Yeah, not turkeys. turkeys. (laughs) But the crew searches the corridors for the creature and comes up empty handed. Am I the only one that thought it was kind of cute, though? I mean, like, I know it's horrible and scary and like murderous and all that, but it was kind of cute. Look, if it's a, it is adorable, but it needs to be punished because <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that was very wrong when it did. It needs to go into timeout. Yes. It needs to know this is not okay. <laughs> but the crew then gathers on the bridge and we see on their monitor that they've wrapped Kane's body and placed it into a hatch. Without any kind of eulogy, Kane's body is expelled into the blackness of space, and the Nostromo continues on toward Earth. So this is where I think we're going to get into something here, because in the screenplay, there's a scene right here, right after they expel his body, 
where Ripley and Dallas bang. Now, yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. What the fuck? I don't. They literally just come and chat with each other, and they're like, "Hey, why not? Wanna? Yeah. Okay, let me expound on that." Okay. Well, I read that the only reason that didn't get put in uh-huh. was literally Tom Skerritt was like, why? Well, it makes, Whoa. why would we be doing this right now? Yeah. And Ridley Scott's like, fine. It's like, God, okay. <laughs> but okay. <laughs> I think that this is expanding on, uh, like I said, something that was dropped. Right. Ridley Scott had wanted, because they're all on the ship together, obviously for a very long time. Right. That they're just having casual sex with each other <laughs> that it's just a thing that happens and then we'll, we'll i want to come back to this in just a second because i don't want to give anything away right but it's established that we just it's like having coffee together I everybody guess. knows we just, yeah we just do this but it <laughs> it gets worse how so that to me i first of all i can't wait <laughs> second of all i feel like it's so oddly gratuitous if it were to have happened yes and the other thing, honestly, is there's an I've maybe it's just through the analysis of the designs and the film itself. I feel like there's enough sexual shit going on in like undertones and overtones. There is, yeah. And I, maybe maybe that's what he was basing it off of. Like, He's let's like, Look, just make it. They're over. already yeah. fucking right. <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> Ridley. But back on the bridge, <laughs> Brett brandishes a juiced up cattle prod like weapon to use against the alien. I thought that this was so smart because this is when I realized, oh shit, they can't just kill the alien because its blood is acid. Yeah. yeah. They can't just shoot it and then nope. be like, all right, great job, <laughs> everyone. Now there's a hole in the ship yeah. flying through space. And now yeah. you're all dead. Yep. So it's like they have to come up with, they have to be creative. Right. And that's, for me, even scarier. Oh, yeah. To not oh, have yeah. a simple solution to a problem like this. But Ash has designed a tracking device to help them locate a moving object, which will help them locate it. Dallas splits them up into two teams for the search party. It's Dallas, Lambert, and Ash as group one, leaving Ripley, Parker, and Brett in group two. The goal is to capture the alien in a net, throw it into the airlock, and expel it into space. You know, standard cargo crew stuff. (laughs) They do this every time. But in the next scene, we see group two making their way down a corridor near the engine room. I just want to say this, like all the engine rooms and stuff like that. I was like, I think Trent Reznor was like, because <laughs> this looks like a Nine Inch Nails music video. But <laughs> Parker stops at a module, working his magic and turning on the lights. Ripley charges up the tracking device and we hear it hum as they continue on. They open the door to another corridor, realizing the alien is within five meters of their current position. They creep on together, the device getting louder as Ripley isolates the position to one of the lockers. She holds the cattle prod at the ready while Brett holds the net over the locker. She then gives Parker the go-ahead, and he opens the locker to reveal Jones. You love to see it. You love to see it. (laughs) He wasn't happy, though, because he hissed (laughs) and ran off. But the tension is diffused for a moment, and Brett goes to snag the cat to ensure no more false positives. He heads down a dark corridor, (laughs) meowing for Jones. In the lights of the next room, he hears creaking overhead, then Jones meowing off in the distance in a totally different direction. Some of the, I know you were talking about like them setting up these rooms and everything. Yeah. These things look massive. Like, yeah, they do. Like, how big is the ship? Yeah. I was like, if this was real, God damn, that would be fucking like a planet. (laughs) (laughs) It's no, it's, it's insane to watch because as you watch it, and knowing that you're like, man, there's turns, there's twists, yeah, yeah, oh there's yeah, fucking levels, like it's unbelievable. All I'm thinking at this point is 
Don't let anything bad happen to that cat. That's number one. That's literally all I'm worried about. As long as the cat is a soul survivor, (laughs) (laughs) I'm fine. (laughs) But Joan leaps from behind some machinery, angrily meowing and bailing out of the open door. On the ground, though, Brett finds what appears to be the shed skin of that small chest bursting alien. He realizes what it is, thankfully, and he heads for the exit. We dolly into the undercarriage room with Brett as chains swing rhythmically overhead. <laughs> All I can think of is like, hey, they got a Cenobite room. <laughs> <laughs> like, dude, they're dealing with enough yeah. right now. No, Ridley Scott built this room for no, I'm just yeah. kidding. <laughs> this was his recreation room, right? Um, I read that they told Ridley Scott, I guess, that there would be no reason to have a room like this with yeah. water dripping and chains. And he's just like, well, yeah. <laughs> I want it, though. He's like, build it. <laughs> But Brett calls out to Jones venturing inside. Water is leaking down from above. (laughs) And Brett tilts his head back to catch some on his face. In the distance, he hears the clang of metal and goes to investigate. He finds Jones hidden in a corner. And just as he starts to make his way to Brett, he retreats and hisses when we notice a dark figure appear behind Brett. Needless to say, it's the alien. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no yes. right. <laughs> but here's here's the kicker along with that information <laughs> the alien is now at least seven or eight feet tall oh yeah. yeah he's all black with a long head and sharp teeth brett turns around and we watch as the alien snarls its teeth salivating its mouth snaps onto brett's face as jones watches on and brett is taken away pulled up to the ceiling Jones literally looks like I fucking yeah, told you. Yeah. Dude, like that, that cat looks chill as shit. I that down too. It's like that cat don't give a fuck. No. Um, like I read that me? <laughs> to make the cat react the way that he does when he sees the alien. Uh-huh. They, I guess, had a board and lifted the board, and there was a German Shepherd behind it. Oh my god! And that's why Jones kind of jumps and hisses. Uh huh. I was like, man, it works. That's yeah. genius. That is like the alien creature to a cat. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I did want to point out something that was very interesting to me is that the alien does not have eyes. Yeah. Why is that scarier? It's much more terrifying to me as well. Oh, yeah. Uh, Giger said that they all agreed his design would be more frightening if the creature acted on instinct alone. Ooh. And just hearing that, I was like, I wonder... (laughs) (laughs) I wonder how it would have looked with eyes. I I mean, I don't know, because like... I remember you getting mad and when we talked about Tales from the Dark Side. Uh oh. The eyes on the gargoyles. Oh, well, they looked cartoony. I thought they were yeah. very cute and you're like, they look stupid. They did. They're they gargoyles. Like eyes. Yeah. yeah. I thought they were cute. But I can see <laughs> that. supposed to be. <laughs> so you want to put googly eyes yeah. on, the alien. on the alien? I can yeah. see that. No, I don't want to. Oh, okay. I'm saying I could see that fucking up the design depending on what you did. Are you a test audience member and you're like, my only right. note? <laughs> Alien could be cuter. <laughs> I like big eyes. Yeah. Have y'all seen Tales from the, the Dark? The bigger, the better. <laughs> it's like it'll come out about 21 years or whatever the fuck. <laughs> but watch that and get back to me. Go in the future. <laughs> I do, of course, want to also point out that the alien is played by Balaji Badejo in his only film role. Wow. What a name. R- yes. <laughs> he was, I believe, six foot ten. Damn. The funny thing is I Ridley Scott said that they found him in a pub. He was just hanging out in a pub and they were like, would you like to be in a movie? (laughs) They're like, that dude's tall as fuck. (laughs) That dude scared the shit out of me. Hell yeah. (laughs) 
Um, I know I've been talking about Giger a lot with um, all the designs that he did, but the mechanics in the jaw of the alien were designed by Carlo Rimbaldi, who won an Oscar for King Kong three years prior. Oh. And he would go on to design the character of E.T. three years later. Damn. Another cute alien. There you go. He took your note. He was like, somebody called Renee right. was telling me I need cute eyes or something. I don't know. She'll be born in 10 years, but right. I, I think we should listen to her. <laughs> but back in the mess hall, a very distraught Parker tells the crew that whatever it was, it was big. He says that the alien is using the air ducts to move around. Now, there is a deleted scene where I think Parker and Ripley run into that undercarriage room and they look up and they're rained down with blood. Oh, oh. shit. And so that's how Parker knows what it happened. Was big. Yeah. 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 In the theatrical cut, they're just like shaking hands holding coffee. You're like, yeah. well, <laughs> did you find them? Right. Did you- <laughs> I kind of took it as it had to be to take him. Right. Regardless. Right. That's that's it didn't feel I'm that's interesting because it didn't even feel disjointed to me. It didn't feel disjointed until I knew. Right. But I feel like he had to be like, well, it it had to be big, whatever Mm -hmm. it was. I mean, that's a grown man. And he's just gone. (laughs) You don't find any piece of him. No, No, he's gone. But Lambert asks if Brett could still be alive. And Ripley says she doesn't think so. Dallas realizes that the air ducts lead out to the main airlock, so if they cover it up, they can drive the alien into the airlock and expel it. Parker again tries to drive the point home that this alien is a big bitch. (laughs) (laughs) It's not going to be easy to just drive this thing into the airlock. But then, referring to the alien, Ash says... Kane's son. I'm like, shut the fuck I'm, up. I've had about dude. enough. Can we freeze him? Yeah. <laughs> I'm fucking done with you, dude. Aren't you tired? Don't you? Wanna... <laughs> I'm so like, done. Dude, like, first of all, this is all this your fault. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But yes. So no more. But Ripley asks what they can do scientifically to drive the alien to the airlock. Ash comes up with one thing that they don't know about regarding the alien, which is temperature. Most animals retreat from fire, so Dallas orders Parker to hook up three or four incinerating units. Lambert asks who gets to go into the vent, and Ripley volunteers. Dallas says no, and that she and Ash should take the main airlock, while Parker and Lambert cover up the maintenance opening. Can you stop pairing me up with them? Yes. (laughs) Please. Anyone want to switch seats? (laughs) Swear to God. Take me to the duct. I do not want to be with this dude. Dude, and what kind of fucking leader are you when you know more than anyone that me and Ash don't get along? I mean, I feel like he's exhibiting leadership traits by being the one that goes in the duct. Leadership. Leadership. (laughs) Ripley does look pissed, though, but she does as she's told. I thought it was interesting because in the screenplay, nobody volunteers at all. <laughs> well, in the screenplay, they saw it. Yeah, yeah. that's true. Like, Fuck no, that. thank you. Lambert actually cracks a joke and she's like, hey, Parker, this is how you earn your full share. And then Dallas is like, look, I'll go. Yeah. <laughs> but we then get a shot of the Nostromo hurtling through space before we're taken back inside to Dallas in that light room where he first inquired to mother. This time, he requests an evaluation of current procedures to terminate the alien. Mother has no idea how to answer that. Thanks. Yeah. (laughs) You were a great help. He tries again, trying to say, well, what about some possibilities for destroying the alien? Mother's like, dude, I do not know. (laughs) (laughs) He then asks what his chances are of survival. 
and mother again comes up empty. It was to me a very stark contrast of that moment in the thing when Blair's like, "Well, what's the percentage?" and the machine's like, "Oh yeah, I got all that right here. Let me, <laughs> yeah. let me take you to school. Uh-huh. I know everything." But <laughs> mother's like, "More, <laughs> <laughs> not as lucky." But in the next scene, the crew are all in position. Dallas is in the vent. Ripley and Asher at the main airlock, and Lambert and Parker at the maintenance area. I hate how tiny the oh, duct yeah. is. Yeah. Oh, it's hard to even watch. It hurts to watch. It does. But they communicate their readiness, and Dallas makes his way through the vent with a flamethrower. He breathes heavily as the monitor beeps. As he makes his way through a hatch, he orders Ripley to close the hatches behind him, and she does so reluctantly. Just then, Lambert locates the alien on the monitor and says it's somewhere around the third junction of the air vent. She tells Dallas to be careful as he continues on because it is nearby. As he heads into that third junction, we see more movement on the monitor. She then asks Dallas to hold his position because she's lost sight of it. Dallas finds some kind of alien goo on the floor, and he blasts the flamethrower in a threatening manner just in case the creature's nearby. It was KY. Oh, really? Yeah. (laughs) That's funny. Well, Ridley Scott's like, no, leave that there. (laughs) (laughs) They got it from his chain room. But Dallas waits for a moment and then asks if it's clear to leave. Suddenly, we get movement on the monitor again, and we see that the creature is making a beeline for Dallas. All I thought was that episode of The Simpsons where Skinner's in the vent. Yes. I That's this. <laughs> and it fucking killed me. It's so stupid. Yeah. <laughs> no, not Skinner. Willie. Not Willie. Yeah. But... She implores him to move, and so he does. Unfortunately, he moves in the wrong direction. In the vent, we see the alien reach out its arms for Dallas with a screech. It's a lot. It's a whole lot. Yeah. Like she's like, no, no, not that way. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I like the showmanship that the alien had, though. With yeah. his He's like yeah. Rick James. <laughs> <laughs> you could see his aura. <laughs> but Lambert's screen cuts to static. I don't know why. I guess the alien has power over that. Yeah. <laughs> he has and dominion. Like, Shut up. But back in the mess hall, Parker puts the flamethrower on the table. He says they found it in the vent, but no blood or Dallas. So I'm like, they're just taking yeah. yes. It's just taking them? That's yeah. terrifying. That's scarier than just being killed, yeah. I think. Yeah. I, part of me wonders if that's why they cut the scene with Brett in the blood. Because they're like, no, way creepier to be taken. It's horrifying. But Ripley says that they should continue with Dallas's plan. Lambert, however, is not down for that at all. She says they should abandon the ship and get in the shuttle and just fuck off. I'm with Lambert. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Ripley reminds her, though, that the shuttle won't fit four people. We can cuddle. (laughs) It's like, those those sleep pods are pretty big, man. You can sit in my lap. I don't care. I call Jones. (laughs) But Parker's ready to start blasting. So Ripley says that they should talk about how to kill it. They know it's in the air shafts, so they'll move in pairs to cut off every vent until it's cornered. After they do that, they can finally isolate it and expel it into space. But they have to stick together. That's the important part. Parker goes to refill the flamethrower, and he tells Ash not to follow him when Ripley requests he doesn't go alone. She asks Ash if there's any ideas from him or Mother, but he says, nothing new, still collating. Ripley calls bullshit and says, you know what? Keep doing what you've been doing. Nothing. <laughs> she is not here for the yeah. bullshit no. at all. And she's officially in command now. Oh, yeah. yeah. I love this scene because this is like her 
I mean, I feel like the whole film, she's been trying to do the right thing, but has taken a back seat. And now she's like, oh, no. Like, if y'all would have listened to me, we wouldn't even be in this mess. She's in the driver's seat now. And this is, for me, again, I mean, kind of a maybe a false protagonist situation. Oh, definitely. Because it seemed like such an ensemble cast and mm-hmm. then she just takes the lead. Right. Something, now that Dallas is gone, let's yeah. talk about him. Right. I forgot to mention earlier, he the role was offered to Harrison Ford. Really? And wow. he said no. He's like, I've seen enough space. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but Ripley says that she'll access Mother herself and get her own answers. In the next scene, we see Parker repairing the flamethrower and moving around like an action hero. I guess he's like, and this is how it will. Yeah. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) But we then see Ripley accessing the mother room and going online for a chat. She asks for clarification on science's inability to neutralize the alien. Mother can't clarify. She then asks for enhancement and mother declines, saying there's a special order for the science officer's eyes only. I don't like this. Yeah. No, as if we weren't already suspicious uh-huh. <laughs> enough. Ripley attempts an override to read the special order and mother spills the tea. The Nostromo has been rerouted on a very specific mission to investigate life forms and gather a specimen. The priority of which is to ensure the return of the organism for analysis. All other considerations are secondary and the crew is expendable. Ash just appears next to her. Yes. Yeah. I was like, did he fucking teleport in no. here? I was like, has she been imagining Ash this whole time? <laughs> but he, he leans in and he's like, there's an explanation. She grabs him and demands it from him in tears. Fuck him up. Well, yeah. yeah. It's like, you knew, mm-hmm. motherfucker. Work the body. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but instead of getting the explanation, she just leaves the room to contact Parker and Lambert. Ash follows behind her, closing the door to prevent her exit, much like she did to Dallas earlier. In a tight shot, we notice his head is leaking white fluid. A fight then ensues with Ash tearing out a clump of Ripley's hair. Yeah, it escalates very quickly. At first, I thought he was sweating milk. Yeah. (laughs) Because he was sipping milk like a fucking McCoyle earlier. But (laughs) it's colored water. Yeah. Because I guess the milk would spoil with all the light and stuff. But it looks gross. It looks gross. But Ripley tries to crawl away, but he grabs her, throwing her into a wall. The camera then circles around Ash as he picks her up and throws her onto a table. He rolls up a magazine and shoves it into her mouth. Why? I don't know. What was your plan? I, I. <laughs> I was confused well, at that too. Well, I was like, "What is? Is he like? I'm gonna, gonna piss down your throat." Like, well, hold on, because this is one of the moments that I was oh like, "Oh my god, Mr. Scott," because he said he. I guess he told them that this was a sexual release for Ash. No, it's not. What? <laughs> no, it isn't though. I was like, "What?" <laughs> Yeah, that's just one thing. Keep going. Okay. Just in time, though, thankfully, Parker and Lambert rush to stop him. Ash attempts, I can only assume, the five-point palm exploding heart technique (laughs) (laughs) on Parker. He, like, grabs his heart. I don't understand that. But Parker grabs him and throws him against the wall, where he spins out of control, twirling towards freedom. But even more important, he belches out more of that white goo from his mouth. Yeah. Parker strikes him, partially detaching his head from his body, leaving it dangling from wires at his neck. 
Ash is an android. Listen. <laughs> at this point, I'm like, okay, he's a fucking alien. Yes. That makes sense why he let them in. Right. Why he's like, no, yeah, this is fatal to us. But fucking, yeah. let's just see what happens. I'm like this. I get it now. I get it. I get it. No, I don't. No. I'm like, is this fucking I, Detroit become human? <laughs> what the fuck? Now we got robots? Yes. What is going on? I never once... Okay, I was very suspicious of him. He's weird as fuck. But yeah. I, I never yeah. thought he was a robot. And then this <laughs> ever. is when I had said I was going to come back to the, the casual sex situation. Right. There's a scene <laughs> that obviously was kind of... I don't know if, if this was supposed to be foreshadowing to what happens, but... Uh-huh. Uh, Ripley and Lambert are talking to each other and one of them asks the other, have you ever had sex with Ashman? <laughs> <laughs> and the other one's like, no, nah, he never seems interested in it. They're and like, then they just keep talking. Not yet. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so I guess that doesn't make sense when you scrap the right. everybody's boning each yeah, other yeah. No. subplot. So I think they run on milk because of the cereal he was eating <laughs> oh, earlier. Yeah. The cereal? <laughs> yeah. He's a McPoyle. It's crazy. The McPoyles are androids. Yeah. I figured yeah. it out. Now it all makes sense. <laughs> but Parker beats Ash into submission, or so we think, because his headless body charges Parker again until Lambert stabs him in the back, shooting sparks. In the next scene, the group goes through the wires in Ash's body, Ripley realizing that Ash has probably been protecting the alien all along, a plant from the company who sent them out here. That's some bullshit, yeah. man. It's unbelievable. And it, it explains a lot of moments from earlier. It does. I was going to say, we really should have known because he's had robot energy this entire film. <laughs> yes. Yes. Robot energy. <laughs> he he was speaking in ones and zeros. <laughs> <laughs> he was weird as fuck. Yeah. Well, I think I, the thing that gets me is that as if we weren't suspicious enough of him because we like Ripley, you know, yeah. his thing with saying that the alien was giving Kane oxygen. Mm -hmm. Yeah. He's like, no, leave him in. What are you talking yeah. about? Yeah, you have no proof yeah. of this. And that's if that wasn't bad enough, whenever the alien itself bursts from Kane's chest, he's like, don't touch it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, he did. No, let it do what it wants. Yeah. It's like, what are you he's talking like, about? I was tasked to bring that back. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's probably fine, guys. <laughs> zero, one, zero, zero. <laughs> <laughs> don't touch the alien. Did Ash just... <laughs> But they plug Ash back in, hoping to get information on how to kill the alien. They set Ash's head upright, covered in white gunk. Ripley speaks to him, asking to reveal his special order, which he recites verbatim from what we read from Mother. Parker, offended, is like, what about our lives? Ash repeats that their lives are not priority. Cool, 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 cool. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Good to know. And what's this company's name? <laughs> Better Business Bureau is about to get some phone calls. <laughs> the United States government. Yeah, I'm not surprised. <laughs> but Ripley asks how they can kill the alien and Ash says they can't. He says they're dealing with a perfect organism. It's structural perfection matched only by its hostility. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, what? Right, can we thanks. turn off this machine? It's yeah. just bad news. <laughs> but he says he admires its purity a survivor unclouded by remorse or morality. I'm like, are you in love with this thing, man? I yeah. <laughs> Parker asks Ripley to pull the plug, but Ash offers a last word. He says he can't lie to them about their chances, but they do have his sympathy. He smiles and Ripley unplugs his ass. He had to yeah. talk one last little piece of yeah. shit before getting unplugged. He's like, wait, one more last word. You're fucked. You ain't yeah. shit. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, but Ripley's like, all right, new plan. We blow this ship up and take our chances in the shuttle. Lambert's like, yeah, I, I fucking said that. Right. Uh, <laughs> but whatever, no big deal. <laughs> the three of them continue into the corridor, but before they do, Parker lights up Ash's remains, fittingly leaving an absolute mess of the mess hall. I did think in a there was a pretty cool shot, like a close-up, where we see Ash's face burn off. Right. And yeah. You, you see like this featureless yeah. android underneath. I'm like, you guys, you guys knew what you were doing. Yeah. <laughs> but Ripley asks how long they'll have after they throw the switches before the ship explodes. And Parker says they'll only have 10 minutes. She says they'll need coolant for the air support system and ask them to retrieve it while she goes to get the shuttle ready. She gives them seven minutes to do it, then head back up and they'll blow the alien into space and break. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We see Ripley enter the shuttle, and in the exterior of the Narcissus, we watch as the lights fade on and she partially undocks it. She starts throwing switches, but then she hears Jones's meowing, so she heads out to the bridge, flamethrower in hand, to search for him. Y'all better take that cat. He's the best one of us. He yeah. is. I mean, unless he's a robot. <laughs> yeah, please don't. Now, that's a twist I can't handle. <laughs> But in the garage, Parker and Lambert move among the machinery, snagging cylinders of coolant as requested. They leave fully stocked, cautiously making their way through the corridors. They then frantically begin to check all the cylinders. At the bridge, Ripley continues to search for Jones, looking all over. She eventually gets jump-scared by the cutest cat in space. Yes. <laughs> and scoops him into the coolest-looking cat carrier I've yeah. ever seen. <laughs> Parker and Lambert continue gathering materials, but we see a dark figure behind Lambert. She notices it, as does Parker, who picks up a flamethrower. He screams for Lambert to get out of the way, but she can't. The alien rises up in front of her as she sobs. Parker goes to help her, but the alien grabs him and impales him with its limbs, blood pouring out of its mouth. We see the alien salivating as its mouth opens. Parker screams for Lambert to get out of the room, and Ripley rushes down the corridor with Jones screaming for Lambert. We watch as the alien's tail wraps around a trembling Lambert's legs, and she screams. Over Ripley's radio, we hear the screams cease as the alien roars. Ripley calls out for Parker, but gets no response. As she rounds the corner, she finds the dead, bloody bodies of Parker and Lambert. She rushes back toward the engine room to throw the switches to explode the ship. Two for one. Um, <laughs> alien and, can't turn down a deal. Yeah. <laughs> In true crime lingo, we call this escalation. Yes. The alien is ramping it's shit <laughs> up at an alarming yes. rate. He's like, you know, I was going to keep you. I mean, yeah. yeah, this was very bloody and very violent. Yeah. And we haven't really seen that. I mean, I guess in this version anyway. Right. Yeah. We haven't seen that yet. There's a scene here, I believe, that was cut mm -hmm. where she finds the kept yes bodies of dallas oh okay and i think brett right i think brett as well and they're like kill me yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they're begging to be killed and she what flame throws them right i think so flame throws them flame that's throws the verb them? yeah she kills them yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they are dead but the thing is is that it would kind of not only cut the tension if they have this slow moment of them being like, oh, but you're my friends. Yeah. <laughs> you know, right now we just need to keep this adrenaline. We got to get the fuck out of right. here. Yes. You want to know something like really real life creepy? Of course. If you go with the version of them being kept in real life, the crew has died in the order that they died in the film. In real life, the actors have died in the order that their characters died. That's upsetting. That, isn't that scary? Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's like, I'm not going to sleep today. Yeah. <laughs> So I I got a couple things before we move on here. Hmm. I love the cat, but 
just follow me, cat. I don't need to put you in a box. Just <laughs> well, follow me. You're you're part of the team now. Come on. <laughs> you know, like Rocket Raccoon. Uh-huh. Bring your ass home. <laughs> and and then she just watched him die. Lambert, she just it's like run. Wow. He's telling you to go. <laughs> She's frozen. I mean, I would be no, frozen. I, I, yeah. I get it, but it's like, come on, move your feet. You got to move. It's like, get out of there. Left foot, right foot. Come yeah. on. <laughs> but I mean, I, I don't know. As far as the cat's concerned, we're doing everything we can to get Jones out of this. Wow. Absolutely. Well, and Ridley Scott even said a non sexual conversation. <laughs> <laughs> One of few. One of few. <laughs> Because people were like, really, for the cat? And he's like, yeah. I would have gone in for my dogs. I would have gone well, back no, for my dogs. I know, but I mean, just follow me. If well, you're I think the cat would ass- stop and lick itself because it doesn't understand <laughs> fear. You're like, no, we need to yeah. go. It doesn't understand fear. <laughs> the motherfucker's going to move. Yeah. <laughs> but as I said, she switches the switches to explode the ship. But she does so through tears, and Mother alerts the ship through the intercom. Danger. The emergency destruct system is now activated. The ship will detonate in T minus 10 minutes. The option to override the detonation expires in T minus 5 minutes. Ripley rushes through the steam as the alarms continue to blare. She heads down a corridor with Jones looking behind her every step of the way, yellow lights flashing against the blue stillness of the ship. You know I had to. Of course. (laughs) She looks in the direction of the shuttle to find the alien blocking her way. The music swells as she retreats, leaving Jones, who seems to captivate the alien. Yeah. <laughs> I don't blame the alien. No, he's like, dude, we don't have these. <laughs> right. Oh, what is that? What is Damn. that? It's beautiful. Yes. And the thing for me is that I, one thing I do love about the way that they've shot this film is that you never really see the alien fully. Yeah. I wanted to talk about that too, because we're terrified of it and yeah. you have barely seen it. Like yes. we've barely seen it. Cause even this, you just see his head over the carrier. Like that's pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what you got there. Yeah. <laughs> but Ripley rushes back to the engine room, attempting to deactivate the detonation. As the countdown reaches zero, Ripley barely toggles the controls. Mother says the option to deactivate the detonation has expired, but Ripley yells that she's turned the cooling units back on. Mother doesn't have time for that bullshit. Nope. And she tells her the ship will self-destruct in five minutes. So what's the play here? Just try to buy more time? Try to get your ass in the shuttle and get the fuck out of here. I don't know. You're still leaving the thing alive. Yeah, just hurtling through space. Headed to Earth. Yeah. Well, no. at least <laughs> no at least well. change course. This is what y'all wanted, right? Yeah. Here. Oh. Hey. You, Signs you, to you. Delivered. <laughs> <laughs> but she calls Mother a bitch and smashes one of the monitors. She rushes back toward the shuttle, cursing Mother the entire way. She pulls herself back up to the level where the shuttle is located, slowly making her way down the corridor. Yellow and blue lights flash in an amazing display as she continues on. Steam belches from the machinery around her as the alarm continues to blare overhead. She sneaks around the corner to find the door of the shuttle open. She snags Jones and makes a run for it, somehow avoiding the alien altogether who is nowhere in sight. Fire begins to fill the corridor she just walked through, so she closes the door to the shuttle. I don't know why that fire happened. (laughs) Yeah, no. Mother's like, start setting everything on fire. (laughs) Heard. That's T minus three minutes. We just light them up. (laughs) But once inside, Mother declares she only has one minute to depart the Nostromo before it explodes. Ripley rushes to detach herself from the ship, buckling herself in with 30 seconds left. 
We see the shuttle take off as the countdown continues, the Nostromo getting smaller and smaller behind her until the countdown reaches its end. Behind her, we see the ship explode in a blinding light and then a ball of fire. Ripley watches as the fire turns purple, then blue, then to nothing. She closes her eyes, relieved that she killed the alien, but filled with sadness over the loss of her crew. That the whole evacuation portion yes. yeah. is just like a master class of tension. Yes. Yeah. That you were was like intense. just watching with your mouth open yeah. the whole time. I think that's my thing. Whenever I hear people talk about alien, they talk about the creature. Well, yeah. People don't often talk about how suspenseful this movie really is. Yeah, yeah I really wasn't prepared for it. I'm no. going to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> it was a lot. Biting your fingernails. Yes. <laughs> no, it's tough. But Ripley takes Jones out of the box and holds him close. She turns on a light and prepares a chamber for hypersleep, placing Jones inside and closing it. Aw, the cat gets to sleep too? <laughs> yeah. He earned it by doing <laughs> nothing. <laughs> But she then undresses herself until she's down to nothing but a tank top and the tightest pair of underwear <laughs> I've ever seen. The tiniest pair <laughs> they of underwear. They are. Yeah. It's like, did these fit when you left Earth? Like, what? <laughs> what's the story here? But she flips a few switches and among the panels, a shiny black object sits motionless. Suddenly, an arm reaches out to grab Ripley. The alien uncurls itself as Ripley rushes off to hide in a corner. Masterful. How? Yeah. I'm like, no. (laughs) In silence, Ripley watches it in the distance. She slowly suits up into her pressurized spacesuit as a small mouth inside the alien's mouth extends out and bites at the air. Two mouths? (laughs) (laughs) Fully suited up, Ripley snags some kind of harpoon device and makes her way over to the alien. She sings to herself and begins to press buttons that release gas near the alien and it squeals in pain. I read that it was Sigourney Weaver's idea to sing while all this was going on and Ridley Scott was like, bet, basically. And then they had to pay a whole bunch (laughs) so people got mad. Like, God damn it. It made it in. She sang the Beatles. (laughs) (laughs) But the alien lurches out of the compartment and stands up. She turns her back to it and it advances on her, but before it can grab her, she hits a button that blasts open one of the doors of the shuttle. The alien holds on as to not be sucked into space, but Ripley shoots it out with the harpoon and it flies out of the shuttle. She closes the door, but the harpoon pulls the alien back, sucking it into one of the engine compartments outside. She fires that shit up and just blasts it into space. Now... The way that they filmed this was very neat looking. Mm-hmm. They have the shuttle above, like the full model of yeah. the shuttle. Uh-huh. And then they have the alien kind of on wires perched into the shuttle. And then they blast it out with water and light. Uh- and so it appears like, you know, the fire in space, etc. It's yeah. just so, I don't know how you know how to do this yeah. shit. <laughs> it looks amazing. I'm just in awe like the whole time. I barely wrote notes. I was just like, Ooh. I know yeah. me and John Paul were talking about that too, that we were like, oh, uh, notes yeah. we're working. Fuck, this is work <laughs> yeah. but Ripley watches from the window as triumphant music plays she gives the final report of the commercial starship the Nostromo the other members of the crew Kane, Lambert, Parker, Brett, Ash and Captain Dallas are dead Cargo and the ship are destroyed she says she should reach the frontier in six weeks and with any luck the network will pick her up she gives her name as Ripley the last survivor of the Nostromo and signs off She also cradles Jones. In the last shot of the film, we see Ripley sleeping in her hypersleep chamber, very much deserving of her rest. Yes. (laughs) 
we fade to the blackness of space as stars fill the screen and the credits roll. So, what did you guys think of Alien? This movie is amazing. I just have one more thing <laughs> from Ridley Freakalik Scott. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> at that last bit, <laughs> I don't know if it was his interpretation. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> I'm worried. I'm actually afraid. I know. <laughs> he wanted us to see that the alien was sexually attracted to Ripley. In what I, way? How did is, I know? Is mouth was, too? Yeah. Is mouth too a boner? <laughs> it was gonna be some because she. She's in the little underwear. She's, I was going to say, the, yeah. she's, oh. she's in her tiny underwear. And I guess he was going to have, before she sees the alien, maybe, right. the alien looking at her and like kind of touching itself. Are you kidding me? Not like jerking off. That is too much. They were worried about the eggs looking like vaginas, but they're like, this alien's so going to we'll jerk make it, it in the last. Double right. vagina. So, yeah. So we can't see the other half of the alien, but we can see its penis. I yeah. right? <laughs> Like we won't show the whole yeah, alien. No, like that, rubbing, would, that wouldn't be tasteful. Yeah, right. <laughs> rubbing its body like while its looking nipples? at maybe. <laughs> <laughs> like I don't know. You're gonna have to yeah, ask Mr. Scott about yeah. that. But they're like Ridley. No. <laughs> Other than that, <laughs> and I gotta say, I'm glad they left all the the naughty bits out. Yeah, that's that's <laughs> a lot. <laughs> Again, I mean, you've got you've already got a lot of the sexual imagery with. Everything the else. Double yeah. vaginas. I was like, because I'm I'm reading and I'm like, another one that you wanted to yeah. put in? I was like, I have a whole list now God damn. of freaky shit. What if the alien's just a penis? <laughs> right. <laughs> Do you just want to make a porn? Yeah, just like, Ridley. What's, what's really going on? You can tell us. But no, this movie is <laughs> fantastic. A little bit of foreshadowing too that I forgot to mention when it was appropriate to mention. Mm-hmm. When they all wake up at the beginning, mm-hmm. Kane says, I feel dead or I feel like I'm oh, dead shit. or something like that. And then not too long after. Guess what? Yeah. Well, surprise. <laughs> surprise <laughs> yeah. The other um, thing is, I don't know that we see Ash wake up from the hypersleep, do we? I don't know. I'm trying to think back. I think he's in there. He's fucking his machine's not even on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It comes online with like the old school internet oh, music. Yeah. <laughs> like, He's fuck? making the sounds with his mouth. <laughs> Why does Ash keep doing that? I, <laughs> <right>. <laughs> oh, there's also the foreshadowing with them finding the alien pilot with its chest burst. You're right. And that makes me think, I'm like, well, who sent the distress beacon? Uh-huh. And was this somebody that responded to it previously? And the same shit happened to him and his crew. That's what right. it looks like. I love it. But no, this I is mean, fan- I don't, I mean, right. you know. <laughs> not that part. Yeah. But this is fantastic. This is classic horror, kind of at its finest. I've noticed with covering The Fly mm-hmm. and then this one, I really like sci fi horror. And I did not know that about myself. <laughs> well, sci fi horror doesn't exist. Right. Yeah. <laughs> not in space. No. <laughs> no. Yeah. No, I, I, I agree. I didn't, it's something that I'm realizing as well because I never really gave it that fair of a shake. Right. Alien was never something in my rotation. No. But I think it will be from now on. Yeah. Yeah. No, this movie was great. Uh, like I said, the only thing that sucks is 
not watching it before or after having to watch it mm-hmm. for the show and giving it the attention it deserves. <laughs> I was going to say, I love that your complaint is that you didn't watch it more. Well, yeah. <laughs> well like I said, it's just because I know I've seen it, mm-hmm. but I, I've also seen Aliens. Right. So getting them mixed up and then, you know, watching it, it's like almost watching it for the first time. Yeah. yeah. But I'm sitting here like, oh, man, and then I got to pause it or I got to take yeah. myself out of the moment to take a note or something but no, this movie was solid. Mm-hmm. Like this yeah. movie was great. Um, I don't really have too much, like I said, besides the why didn't you know what I mean? Why didn't she run when dude was <laughs> and Jonesy? I, you know, I love cats, but uh-huh. if you got to You just got to follow, man. You just got to come on. <laughs> I the film's amazing. Yeah, I I think it's a real cinematic achievement, and to, on every front. There is there are some movies, I don't know if it sounds like stupid to say or not, but like I talked about with Halloween, I'm like, I'm grateful, grateful? <laughs> that I exist at the same time as this movie so I can watch it. And this is one of them. I didn't realize, I really did not expect myself to love it as much as I did. No, me neither. But I guess that leads us to ratings. Like I said, just incredible. I love the characters. I love the twist with the android. Oh, yeah. I was not like, fucking expecting so that. So fucking surprising. And the foreshadowing, it's all over the place. Uh-huh. The creature's frightening. I, I swear, man, cinematography, set, and production design. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. It's just, I, I don't use this word lightly, breathtaking. <laughs> <laughs> You're breathtaking. <You're- laughs> but so much attention to detail throughout. It's one of those movies that, like I said, you hear about it and you're like, well, I'm sure it's pretty good. Mm-hmm. And then you watch it and you're like, no, of course, this is why everyone loses yeah. their shit. Oh, yeah. yeah. And all this does after watching this one, I don't know much about a lot of the sequels, but it makes me want to run through the entire For sure. franchise. And in fact, I will do that shortly. <laughs> <laughs> but out of 10 leathery alien eggs, I have no choice but to give Alien... 10 out of 10 leathery alien eggs. This is going to be something that I rewatch periodically now. Mm-hmm. It's it's just great. I'm almost speechless at how good it is. <laughs> but I will now open the floor to you. Okay. Um, I can't say that I disagree with anything that you just said. Uh-huh. <laughs> I'm kind of mad at myself that I've never, that this isn't really, like I said, I thought I'd seen it and I'm watching it and I'm like, nope. (laughs) (laughs) If I've seen it, I do not remember any of it. But yeah, I don't, I feel like we've covered pretty much everything. I just have to say, Megan, Chris, George, Mariah, Kimberly, thank you (laughs) for making me watch this because wow. Yeah. Um, So yeah, on a scale from one to 10 leathery alien eggs. (laughs) I also give Alien ten out of ten. I don't. I wow. there's really not, I, what. What can I say? There's a, I don't have one complaint. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Like I. What is there to bitch about? And no, for me, not bitching. Like, this that is, is right, right. a miracle. No. <laughs> <laughs> I don't look for things to not like, but sometimes they'll jump out at you. There's nothing no, yeah. here. Yeah. Um. All right. Now it's my turn. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I I agree with everything both of you have said and. And it, and it is, and you're right. You don't ever go in expecting, you know what I mean? To just like, oh, this sucks or whatever. You know what uh-huh. I mean? We go in and it's like, all right, let's see what. Let's try it yeah, out. Yeah. See what's going on. And this is, like I said earlier, a solid movie. This mm-hmm. movie is great. Um, 
I had seen it, like I said, and I was kind of mashing this and Aliens together, but watching this by itself, I see how good this movie is. And and it is. It's it's fantastic. Mm -hmm. Um, I will watch this again, and I plan on it. Mm-hmm. And uh, the and I'm not gonna lie, I won't say I throw it in my rotation. But <laughs> if it's if if like your sister wants to watch it, or if it, you know it's like, hey, you know what, it gets brought up, I will watch it. Mm-hmm. And I hate to break up, the, <laughs> of course, but, the love fest, right? But, well, not even that. But it's just, I'll give my reason right now. But uh, on a scale from one to ten, leathery alien eggs, I'm gonna give Alien a nine. Hmm. And the only reason I won't give it that 10 is because there's just certain movies that touch my heart that I'm waiting to give those 10 to. <laughs> so, you know they're not limited, yeah, right? They're not well, a finite no, resource. Well, they are to me. I can't just be handing out 10s here and there. But no, and I and and I do love this movie. Don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. I I I will, like I said, watch this movie and won't complain. If somebody's like, "Hey, let's watch Alien." Goddamn right. Yeah. You know what I mean? Put it on. But yeah, like I said, it just, it doesn't, it is a magnificent movie, Mm -hmm. but will I ever just sit there and be like, you know what? I'm going to watch Alien like I do with the other guys or whatever. The other other guys are really like, that's a 10. (laughs) Other guys is a thousand. Wait, so you're telling me if if Ripley was played by Mark Wahlberg, you would give it a? Oh, absolutely. Oh, yeah. (laughs) I have no doubt in my mind. Oh, we that gotta get be, out of here, guys. Oh, yeah, that was say, oh man, that movie would be totally different. I think there's an alien. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's all from us at Podmortem. What would you rate Alien and what should we watch next? Let us know on Twitter at the Podmortem. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram and like us on Facebook. Be sure to follow each of us on Twitter at TravisMWH, at Blood and Smoke, and at RealStreeter84. Please consider pledging to our Patreon and stay tuned until after the music for a special thank you to our Wendigo Getter patrons. And remember, while they may seem arbitrary, safety protocols are in place for a reason. Until next time. Thank you for staying tuned. We want to give a very special thank you to all of our Wendigo Getter patrons. Yes! Yeah! Yeah! <laughs> Special thank you to Chris Ontiveros, Kristen Lofton, Megan Martinez, Kimberly Bass, Melanie Van Huesden, Sophie Hodson, Anthony Jerome M., Jordan Nash, Kent and Allison O'Morton, Guy54, Lala Thomas, Travis and Nisa Hunter, Miguel Myers ATX, Mandy, Jennifer Perez, Pepperoni Pierre, Jacob Tyler, Carissa, TJ Bronson, Gabrielle Trevino, Spooky Mom, Andy Teague, and Applin Ontiveros. Thank you all so much. Yes, thank yeah, you, thank you, thank you. Thank you. We sincerely appreciate all of you, and your support warms our hearts so much that our chests are bursting. <laughs> <laughs> like with an alien. Yeah, that's, yeah. How Kane, that's how Kane died. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Until next time.